everybody, it is time to thrill me with uh, road games and Night of the Scarecrow. Hey, you want to take that again? I almost <laughs> wanted to start over again. <laughs> <laughs> Let's rewind. Hey everybody, it's time to thrill me in this episode we're we'll discussing Road Games and Night of the Scarecrow. I'm Michael and Kersey's on the other side. Hey, how's it going? Hey, take two was a lot better. <laughs> yeah, let's stick with that. If, Good lord. If whoever, whoever's editing, please edit that. <laughs> no, I don't want to edit that at all. People know how much fuck up. <laughs> I love, here's the thing is, there's some people in podcasting that edit it to the hilt. And unless something that's really stupid happens, like really stupid or some sort of audio trick, I don't like Which doing do. it. I love the rawness of podcasting. It is, it's like the college days of radio when there was no rules. I love it. Um, yeah. So it's, the, it's the authenticity that people are here for. Anyway. I guess, maybe. Um, so there is no real connection between the movies. We try to do them thematically, double features, but the only thing we had is we're still in 1981. Uh, in this podcast segment, we always discuss horror movies, thrillers, stuff you know sometimes they're more action oriented whatever it is it's kind of movies that really kind of get your heart pumping um no real comedic stuff in it but uh so th- that's the only similarity between these two unless like, you're seeing something that i don't because you're a lot smarter than i <laughs> uh, when it comes to certain subjects i don't know when it comes to movies i think you've gotten topped i guess but i think you're the one that's better at connecting emotionally like the the subtext and stuff like that um so with this, uh, I think this is the first time I've seen Night of the Scarecrow. I've heard a lot about it. Um, oh, really? I, saw... See, I, thought, I thought you suggested this because you have already seen it and were really excited. I had seen it as I was doing research for 1981, but I mean, over the years I've heard about it, I just never got around to watching it. Oh, okay. I consider it to be the greatest TV movie I've ever seen. That's excluding miniseries and you know short-run shows that you see uh, as a single two-hour TV movie. I was blown away at how good this is. I was going to say Heat, Vision, and Jack, but that was a pilot right. TV show, not a... <laughs> God, I would love to see a movie from that. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Yeah, it's... Uh, and this is when horror movies were... I mean, it's a phenomenon right now, what we're going through in, in these years. Uh, Halloween was a big one. You know, 1978, and but the really the cycle didn't start until 1980, is which where we started with this segment. And 81 through like 83, there's going to be about a hundred movies. It's insane how popular the thriller genre was. And TV networks decided, hey, we can do our own version. And a lot of them were like just long episodes of Night Gallery, Twilight Zone, stuff like that. Nothing really captivating. And I think this is one of the very few that had to get rid of anything that was visually disturbing because it could it, you know because of standards and practices so it it devotes a lot of time to atmosphere and acting and just building this tension which is hard to do in a lot of these movies when you're not throwing big shocks and, and nudity and gore and stuff like that yeah it's definitely helped that uh a, a lot of tension is built more by the threat of violence than actually the the viscerally seeing it so i think it really fits uh i think it's really fitting that the, the a lot of the violence is off screen or is kind of obscured which is kind of makes it more horrifying right it's it's a little bit of the old hitchcock rule uh spielberg rule with this with jaws and stuff like that what you don't see is scarier than what you could see right yeah now there's this is not the first Scarecrow movie. I uh, I know that there was a Disney film called The Scarecrow of Romney Marsh a few years earlier where they tried to make a more adult content and it didn't do very well. But it's a cool movie. 
Um, and definitely not the last Scarecrow movie because it. I feel like it started to kickstart like ten years later is when they started doing like. Uh, I'm trying to remember, there's uh, Scarecrows, which was an MGM movie, and I feel like it wasn't Jacko, but there's another one. But slowly you started seeing more Scarecrow because visually they are terrifying. Yeah, and for a more modern day example, you can go to Cheaper's uh, Creepers, which is not really a Scarecrow, but like always the promotional footage is of him hanging on to. Right. The, uh, Scarecrow's person. Well, and he's a horror element of uh, uh, Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, but this one, it, it's just a lot of the visuals, and we're gonna we're gonna throw the spoilers here if you haven't seen it. Uh, basically, this is about out of control rage, a misunderstanding, and an innocent man murdered. And do you believe that? It's literally him coming back from the dead as the scarecrow, or the scarecrow is like, um, uh, like the crow. The way the the they would just. Uh, how am I trying to say? It's a, a vengeance tool, like the Ghost Rider. I don't know. It's it's hard to it's hard to know. We should say that uh, spoilers. This is the very end of the. Uh, they're not so much the very end, but I am going to talk about the very end. But um, the one of the. the one of the main characters essentially is uh, mentally handicapped <clears throat> and he has the, the mind of a child. So he likes to hang around other children. That's kind of, um, but he's also, you know, a large man. So he, there's this potential for him to hurt somebody. And so that's kind of uh, the driving force behind the, the town, some townsfolk who are concerned that he might, you know, harm one of the children. And which, yeah. And yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 go for it. And, and what happens is just they try to jump a gate and she gets attacked by a dog and just the fact that he can't communicate exactly what had happened because he is a little simpler. Um, they misunderstand. They believe that he sexually assaulted her and beat her or something like that. And there's guys already out for him. That's the thing. This is just the switch being flipped. Charles Durning is our main character and he's... Just has a hate on for Larry Drake's character, who's the simple man, and he just gets his little posse together and they blow him away. Yeah. So uh, what I think is really interesting about the movie is that the main character is is kind of the, is the basically the villain of the story. Yeah. It, it's interesting to see the entire movie unfold from his perspective, even though he's the one that's in the wrong. Yeah. And so it's... there's there's that angle to it that's really uh, really interesting to to watch. The simple fact is that they get him out there, and he's in, hiding in the scarecrow costume, and he's clearly scared out of his mind. They could have just arrested him, but these guys are not right in the head, and they just want to kill. And you think that's just cinematic. I have met people who just want to kill, and I, I, I don't know what goes on in their brain. And it, it, it's, it, I don't understand. Like that thing, that like this bloodlust. And so that's what happened is they're just looking for a reason to kill. And so he is their target, and they take him out, and then immediately realize that there's a huge mistake. The other three of the four guys, uh, they seem to be kind of like, holy shit, we fucked up. Whereas Charles Durning, the main guy, he's just like, fuck, let's just cover this up. Let's not talk about it. We're all going to be silent or whatever. And that's yeah, they, kind of... they, make, they make a pact that no one's ever going to even say the word Scarecrow ever again. Yeah. And, uh, and then slowly they get taken out through kind of elaborate, almost Final Destination kind of, tr- you know, traps. Yeah, not not as cinematic as Final Destination. No, no, well, they also didn't have the budget or the rating. Right, exactly. 
but but since it's kind of a slow burn, I think the tension is uh, it's not jump scares, but it, there is a, se- a general a genuine sense of dread. Yeah, the the build of desperation from the main character is uh, really interesting, starting from um, after they they kill the guy. He has. We kind of go a little bit into the future. We're not really exactly sure what time period this is. I think he seems to be doing really well, and so we're kind of watching, like all of this sort of this his back coming back to haunt him and taking him down, right. and like the the slow build of his fear and anxiety is starting to consume him to the point where he's like following little girls around and. Basically, kind of almost becoming the, the person he killed in a weird way, right? Or like he like being the person that he accused the other guy of being. Oh well, that's that is definitely what's that called? What do you it's like something displacement? I can't remember where you 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 put your problems onto some. Oh, projecting. Sorry, I couldn't think of the word. Um, projecting what was really wrong with him. Like I wonder why he assumed that the simple man was. I wish I remembered his name was guilty of pedophilia and assault makes me think that he has done it and that he is guilty and that it was just something because he like well i i've done that so therefore he must be doing that too but I or, or he like yeah. or he thinks about it. or he wants that's, yeah that that's even mentioned later in the movie by the mother of the, the man who was killed basically saying it's like we all like everyone knows that you're like into kids like basically accusing him of of that I missed uh, that. She part. doesn't. She, she she doesn't say it in so many words, but oh, okay. she basically implies that she knows something about him that has to do with children, and yeah. it, that that kind of takes him over the top, and he accidentally kills her too. So it, yeah, there is kind of this projection that goes throughout the movie that's really interesting. Is he the first villainous mailman in history? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Isn't that ten? Uh, what yeah. you see in movies is oh, the mailman's evil. <laughs> There was a Bruce Campbell movie, I think, where he was an evil mailman, wasn't it? Or was that or was he a cop? Ah, crap! I I, I'd have to remember the movie. Uh, you'd have to tell me the movie. Uh, maybe that would help. Maybe, oh, it's Maniac Cop. Never mind. Oh yeah, Maniac Postal Delivery yeah. Person. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, at the end of the movie, I don't feel like it's actually him in the Scarecrow costume because mentally and emotionally, I don't think he's capable of the violence. I believe that he is. His spirit is gone. And what's in the scarecrow is like the spirit of vengeance. Like he just comes back to right wrongs. I don't know. There's, there's. It leaves it really open, so it can kind of be interpreted any way you want. I, I it really reminds me of the end of the movie May. For anyone who oh god, I haven't seen that in forever. I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, the main character of that movie ends up stitching together pieces of other people's bodies. Like the the parts that that were perf- that were like perfection to her, like oh I really like this person's hands and the strong arms, so they just like chops off their arms and basically uh, makes an amalgamation of a human body out of it. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, she's like completely broken because of what she's done, and then the fucking hand or like the the arm loops up and strokes her hair, and it's alive and it's just so creepy. Like what the hell just happened? And then it just ends. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I'm not very familiar. I, I like Tales from the Crypt and that kind of stuff. Yeah, that that's uh, like a smaller budget, shorter version of them. Um, but there, I think it was around '98, '99 is when it died off. I think there was a West Craig cigarette burns. Yeah, the, the ending of that is horrifying. Anyway, uh, what, I, what I was mentioning is that at the end of May, like the hand comes up and her hair, and it's a dead body. So like, how the, how is it moving? And it leaves you with this really sickening sort of like this 
ugh, this like this sickness inside her is like, oh, what the hell's going on? And you don't get any resolution or answer to what just happened. Uh-huh. And then it's kind of the same at the end because when you never see the scarecrow hurting anybody, it's always just kind of assumed that somebody is killing these people. You never That's know true. who it is. And there's a lot of people who it could be. Um, it, I mean, it slowly whittles down to only being like right. one And also the scarecrow shows her affection at the end. Yes, and then that's the thing that's so creepy is that you see like a scarecrow hand reach out to hand the girl a flower, and that, and then it just ends there, and that's where it's like May, where it's like, wait, what? It was the scarecrow the whole time. Yeah. And like, is it someone dressed up, the scarecrow? Is it the spirit of vengeance? What is this? Yeah. No I, resolution. I really thought it was a good TV movie, and um, uh, you don't have to rely on blood and guts, even though I do love some good old-fashioned blood and guts, but neither one of these movies really has that. No, it. Uh, I don't want to say it's tame. It just has. It just goes for something different. Right. And in our second film, Road Games, is an Australian film done by Richard Franklin, who was a huge fan of uh, Alfred Hitchcock. And while Brian De Palma gets all the credit for being Hitchcockian, um, Richard Franklin really was lined up to be his. I believe he was a protege. He worked with him for a little bit, and eventually he would go on to make a handful of American films before basically just going off into obscurity. And I think Road Games is his masterpiece. Yeah, it's kind of a shame watching it. It's something that could be released today and would be a hit. Yeah, it barely got released. I think Fox put it out just like on 130 screens, did not make enough money, and it was lost for a very long time, briefly on DVD, but now it's a Shout Factory mm, exquisite Blu-ray. <laughs> um, have they ever put out a bad, bad Blu-ray? I really don't believe so. Um, but this one is mostly, it says Stacey Keach and Jamie Lee Curtis, but to be fair, Jamie Lee Curtis is maybe in half at best. Uh, yeah, I, I would, I wouldn't say half even. Yeah. Cause she, she's in two different segments and it's the last major segment is why I think she got her name on the, on the credits, but also at the time she was a bigger name, I believe. Right. Exactly. That, that was probably just to try to sell it. Yeah. And so it's, it's Stacey Keach as an American in Australia as a truck driver. And it feels like, and maybe I missed it. I've seen it a few times. There's a reason why he's like hiding out in Australia. Cause it didn't mention that work dried up in America. How does, it's very hard for an American to get a job in other countries unless he can provide a service that no one else in that country really can. And I'm telling you, truck driver seems like a really easy thing to do. So I don't know how he got this job. I think there was a strike going on. Oh. I can't, I can't remember if it was the butcher strike or some like a meat plant strike or if it was a trucking strike. I, I, that part I don't remember. Yeah. But I, I, think, I think that was part of the reason why they just need more hands to be delivering stuff. And he's a long-haul driver, so you're talking long streaks, just continuously driving. And a lot of what happens in this movie is, is he imagining this? Is he too tired? Has he been on the road too long? And is this all in his head? Is he going crazy? That, that, it, it is also worth saying that when you try to talk the intensity of the movie, it's hard because you're just watching a guy talk to himself in a truck for most of the movie. And you think that sounds really boring, but actually it's fascinating. Yeah. It is, so he has like such a fascination and uh, imaginative mind. He also is very curious. And that's kind of what leads to all the problems that happen right and you need an actor like stacy keach who's fucking bananas i read his biography this is when he was really into coke and he was trouble for everybody he was difficult to cast because he was always such a wild man 
Um, if you were gonna remake this today, you gotta throw Nicolas Cage in. I gotta see oh Nicolas Cage God, yeah. with a dingo on the road after a crazy killer. <laughs> what I love uh, about that whole the whole idea of like him, like it makes sense that him as an actor kind of being unreliable. But he would the most of the movie he would just be by himself. It reminds me of like Andy Dick. If you ever see anything he's in, he's either by himself on a green screen or he is doing a voice of a character because no one can be in the same room with him. Right. Apparently he touches everybody. That's what I've heard about oh, Andy yeah. Dick. But at the time, Stacey Keach was a bit of a name. So that's, you know, because of previous films before Coke took over. But um, this was kind of his last hurrah. And then he would just end up on TV and, and lots and lots of direct-to-video Roger Corman movies. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember Class of 99 with those contacts and that weird white wig? Oh, we did a Class of 99, didn't we? Yeah, we did it a couple years oh, ago. Shit. Yeah. So, uh, which one is that? Is that the, the Robot Teachers? Yeah, that was the sequel with the Robot Teachers, yeah. Oh, my God. Was that uh, Pam Greer in that? Yep. Yeah, okay, I remember that. So this is him on the road, and he stumbles upon what he believes to be a murder. And it starts just so innocently enough as there's a bunch of bags of trash laying out there and there's a guy looking out the window really captivated by those bags of trash. And it's like five in the morning. Yeah. So like, and then why Stace- would someone that er- wake up that early just to watch the trash? Right. And Stacy Keach is watching him, watching it, and it starts. he starts to become captivated by it. And it's not just that, though. It's the fact that he's kind of a rule breaker, so cops don't really trust him. And so when he starts to talk to him about what's going on, they don't really care. He ha- he's illegally owning a dingo. He, uh, I think he goes for long hauls without doing proper stops and things like that. And he, he has an anti-authority uh, attitude. Um, and along the way, he picks up a hitchhiker, which is the only other American in this film, is Jamie Lee Curtis. And slowly they get drawn into a much bigger thing with this killer. And now it's a big uh, cat and mouse kind of game. He thinks he's hunting him, but the, you know it flips, whatever. I really enjoyed the, the psychological thriller uh, aspect of this yeah it's slow and contemplative but it's never boring right. and that's something that's really hard to do there's not um, there's not any blood really there's no real violence there's no there's only a couple action sequences in their automotive oriented. they're not typical of this kind of genre yeah and, and the the brilliance of his character and the setup of the story of him just being very naturally curious he likes to create stories for himself because he's bored he's also just extremely tired so he's trying to keep himself up so he's constantly talking to himself and at some point it becomes difficult to know is, is he like is he insane from this or like what's going on like is he just imagining all this because he likes to imagine stories he's very curious he likes to look at things he likes to build uh these narratives and it's maybe all of this is just in his head but all of these things just kind of combine into uh making such an interesting uh story right and watching him slowly deteriorate over these few days because there's a point where i was convinced that he had a split personality or or there's something just happens to him and he goes to sleep and but then they would switch on you like all of a sudden the back of his truck's open for no reason he's like what the hell's going on and then what goes in and he starts counting all the meat in there and it's not the the same amount that he ex- he was supposed to have so he's not sure where <laughs> the meat came in it's <laughs> so like just little bits and pieces to keep drawing you in yeah, it, it's always uh, kind of upping the intensity. It's a li- little bits at a time. At first, it's just, oh, that's interesting. Someone is really curious about the trash. And then uh, you, over the radio, you hear that there's potentially a serial killer. And then it starts to build. And then you, he sees someone 
who picked up a, a woman the night before, the guy who's looking at the trash, and he has an icebox with him, and he's, like, holding it really weirdly for some reason. And then later he sees him burying something in the desert. And so, and then it just, like, starts building on that, and then eventually it becomes, like, a, like you said, a cat and mouse sort of chasing, and, uh, chase movie. Uh, the, the end, I'm telling you right now, that was one of the most bananas fucking things. Him trying to get those tiny roads and getting stuck and the guy is taunting him, and he just goes for it, stripping his entire vehicle apart. <laughs> Good God. Eventually crushing the car by landing. Yeah, and it yeah, takes a nuts. crazy actor and a crazy character in order to pull something like that off, because if the guy had been bland, I wouldn't have bought it. Yeah, and another thing that at the time I thought was a weakness of the movie, and talking about it now makes me realize actually how great it is, is that he has conversations with people in ways that are feel unnatural and i think that was completely intentional yeah because he'll just kind of start conversations with people or conversations will just happen without him explaining what he's talking about and they will know what he's talking about without him having to say it yeah like he'll just kind of like start talking to himself and be like oh yeah the serial killer even though he never mentioned it or he'll mention that the the serial killer is a truck driver just kind of offhandedly because he's just kind of thinking about how it would happen and the person's like thinking that he's talking about it seriously or any anyway it's just really interesting that these conversations at first are really awkward and unusual and you're like eh, people don't talk like this but then you kind of like well maybe he's imagining this or maybe like time is not working the same way for him where he's just not perceiving things correctly right yeah, it, it was not a hit, but it was critically well-loved, and because of this movie, Richard Franklin would take over one of the most legendary franchises of all time, which we discussed in 1982, which is Psycho 2. Oh. I actually like I, the second one. Really? Yeah. Okay. Have you seen the second one? I have not. The second one really is smart, and especially since they got this guy to write and direct it, or no, to direct it, and the writer of Fright Night is the guy who did the script. And it taps into a lot of sensitive stuff instead of being an exploitation slasher. Um, it falls apart, I think, on the third one. Hmm. Okay, well, interesting. Well, I don't know what's left in 1981. I still have a massive list. I know one of them that I want to do is, uh, I think it's Speak No Evil with Clint Howard, who uses a computer from 1981 to raise the devil <laughs> to get vengeance oh, on all the kids no. in school. <laughs> oh, yeah, I wish we All right, all right. Okay. <laughs> oh, we have Evil Dead? Okay. Oh, no, hold on. I, re I remember what I want to do next. It's Evil Dead and the Buggins, both movies taking place in the woods. Hell yeah. All right, see, yeah, now we got a theme going. All right. I'll try to figure out something to go with. <laughs> Speak no evil, seriously. Clint Howard hacking <clears throat> the internet in 1981, which didn't exist. Stop it. Uh, <laughs> right? The internet okay. didn't exist in 1981, did it? I don't, I don't know. At least not publicly available, yeah, I don't okay. think. So I was like, I said that, but I know full and well that War Games comes out like the next year and there's Tron, and I think they were capable of going online. Yeah. I'm technologically uh, stupid. Well, I'm interested because I, I want to see what, because, you know, like whenever there's not so much anymore, they're starting to be uh, more aware of how the internet works. Um, is there like long sequences of him typing stuff and then like showing really weird uh, diagrams and things instead of just code. I think so. If I remember correctly, I just watched it not that long ago. It's weird. I can't remember. But he, like, gets a book that has hexes in it and can bring Satan, you know, give you powers and stuff like that. So he's using this uh, uh, ancient writing, like Sanskrit or something. He puts it into the computer and it deciphers it for him and tells it what it does. And that's how he ends up doing all this evil stuff. It's actually pretty good. 
you know, it, it thinking about that, just like how in movie sequences they always show like, oh, they're typing on a computer, and then it, it shows like a tunnel, in, you know, like they're, yeah. like they're hacking the internet, um, that kind of stuff. Uh, it makes me think of the fly. And, <laughs> like, weird how... science, how there was all those little gates. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but like the fly was just a computer screen, him typing stuff, and then it relaying what he wrote. Yeah, I was like, I got to think back then. That must have been really boring to people, but now it like it seems so out of place because it actually shows more accurately what probably what it, what it would look like. Oh yeah, because I remember computers from that age. It was all green screen or green print on black screen. It just right. it just outlines like bare minimum Oregon Trail level graphics. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that is it for this episode. Check us out on Facebook under Hit Rewind. And, uh, Chrissy, thank you very much. Hey, thanks for having me. These are great. Oh, good. I always wonder if I'm going to throw one at you and you're like, I hate your fucking guts. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> what Trash Cinema is for. Again. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody, have a good night. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of A Perfect Saturday Morning, where I have a guest come on and we discuss what they would, like, say if you had your own television network and you could program any kind of animation, no matter what network, uh, primetime, daytime, syndicated, any era, you know, that's basically your choice. Anything animated and basically just putting together your perfect Saturday morning playlist. I'm your host, Michael, and my guest this week is Anthony Sabelli. How are you doing, Anthony? Good, good. Uh, thanks for having me. No problem. I, I kind of discovered you through um, our mutual friend Ken's podcast where you were talking about animation, sure. and I was like, this sounds like the right guy who would know exactly, like, <laughs> pre-planned his own programming. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I love... Uh... I mean, I love Ken's show, TV Guidance Counselor, and it, it was so much fun doing the, uh, he had me on uh, twice, I did a regular episode and then a Saturday morning edition, um, where we just did Saturday morning shows, and that was that was so much fun to me. It is kind of fun to go through, especially from a nostalgia standpoint, it's like, oh, yeah. I, you know, it, it, it's also hard, it's like, what I would have watched back then is not what I would have watched right. now. So it's like kind of bouncing that out. And that's the same with the animation. Some of the stuff you revisit, and you're like, I used to think this was so awesome. And now... that's any, any, yeah. Anything like that that you loved as a kid. I, I, I remember when uh, uh, they just put the real Ghostbusters up on Netflix um, a couple of months ago. And I was almost dreading watching it because I had such fond memories. And I was so afraid it was going to be just garbage. Um but it holds up. I don't know if you've seen it recently. Oh, uh, no, I have. That was actually, I think, the yeah. third episode of Back in Tunes, and I was like, oh, oh yeah. who is the writer? He, he, it was it Peter David that started off on that? Um, probably. I, I know that at least one other comic book writer wrote for it, like a, like a well-known comic book writer. Straczynski. J. Michael Straczynski, I think, is really confusing. Right. Yeah, That's I don't think right. it was Peter David. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that holds um, up. But you know, the one thing yeah, that holds up really well. the uh, that it's one of those weird cartoon worlds where there's two different Ghostbusters mm -hmm. at the same time. There's a filmation, the um, original Ghostbusters, I think it was was called. And yeah, the, the mm -hmm. yeah. a monkey, giant oh, monkey. Sorry.
<laughs> I'm just thinking until yeah, a giant monkey was not a good no. <laughs> That was, um, yeah, you know the whole story with that, the the rights, um, why why there were two shows? Well, no, I actually don't, because I assumed that they had bought the rights to use that name, um, but they must have had some sort of loophole. Yeah. Well, there, there was a live-action um, Ghostbusters, a show called The Ghostbusters in the 70s, and it was Larry Storch and the guy in the ape suit and um, another guy, you know, it was way before my time. Yeah, so, I think it was Forrest Tucker. When... Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when Dan Aykroyd wrote the movie, he wanted to use the title Ghostbusters, but they had to buy the rights to the name. Um, but they only got the movie rights; they didn't get the TV rights. Oh. So to cash in, to cash in on the success of the movie, Filmation did an animated version of their live-action Ghostbusters. Um, and that's why the Ghostbusters cartoon is called the real Ghostbusters. Ah, I was wondering about that. So it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of a convoluted, uh, yeah, kind of a convoluted rights thing. <laughs> um, yeah. so before we get into your schedule here, I'm curious about two things. Sure. Uh, breakfast, yeah. were you a savory or you were a sweet kind of guy? I, uh, I loved, I, I love breakfast cereals. So I, I guess that's sweet because they're, they're just sugar. Uh, my favorite is Reese's Puffs, and I love the the logo or, or the the tagline for Reese's Puffs cereal is uh, "It's like Reese's for breakfast," <laughs> which is not true. It is Reese's for breakfast. <laughs> it finally makes up for the fact that Cookie Crisp does not doesn't taste anything like yeah. a real cookie. That's garbage. <laughs> yeah. My favorite was, uh, and usually the co- the ones that are based on like known properties, like the ET, the Mr. T, yeah. whatever, they were always garbage. But there was a Spider-Man yeah, cereal yeah, yeah. around 94, which was amazing. Okay. It was only around for like one year. I remember that. It was – was that with like the Fox Kids Spider-Man show? It was. and I, was, was that like Italian? Okay. It was, it was a, like Lucky Charms, right? It had like marshmallows yeah. and, and – uh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. There was a second one where it was just strawberry-flavored cereal, and it was fine, but – I got a thing with marshmallows. It's like you got to eat a bunch of crap, like Lucky Charms. Like the actual cereal itself mm-hmm. tastes like hell, mm-hmm. but you got to have those marshmallows. Right, 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 right. And the other question I was going to ask is, um, were you an early riser? Were you a guy that was like the minute the sun came up, six o'clock in the morning, you were watching cartoons, and did you sleep in? No, I, I was pretty um, mercurial, I guess. I, I got up whenever. I was, uh, yeah, I, I didn't have a very rigid Saturday. Um, yeah, Saturday schedule. Mine was, when I was younger, I would get up, and I don't even know why. Yeah. I was going to school, and I would get up at 6 a.m. to watch, like, the Looney Tunes and stuff like that. And then I would watch Before it until, school? oh, yeah. And even on Saturdays, it was, like, yeah, 6 a.m. Yeah, yeah. to noon. Like, it wasn't until my parents were like, you still seriously watching TV? Get outside. <laughs> <laughs> but O.G. Readmore, and uh, after, what was his show? There's a O.G. Readmore ABC show where he would do like animated versions of known kids stories. Damn it, I forgot it. ABC Story Break or something. No, like no, that? no, I don't know that. Yeah. What, what, what year would that have been? I want to say it ran from like '84 to like '92, maybe. Okay, because that's a little. I, I, I'm, uh, um, I'm, I'm 30, so. Okay. That's a. I would have been a real little kid if someone that was. Uh, yeah, I'm a decade older than you. I was born in 77. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I remember that from the episode is you, you were kind of like not telling the truth about your birthday because you didn't want it to be going. Oh, uh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, um, 
Yeah, that's right. I remember that on, on, Ken's, uh, on Ken's show. <laughs> I get that way too. Some people are like, how old are you? I'm like, yeah. depends. How old do you think I am? Uh, oh shit, not even close. Yeah, exactly. That's what I, that's doing. People, a lot of times people will think I'm like 10 years older than I am because I, I'm, uh, um, you know, like, like Ken, I, I, I really fascinated with old media, old TV shows and music and movies and things. So, so many things that I am into are, are like, you know, decades and, and, and decades, um, you know, decades old. Um, so I'm curious. Now your so, list is yeah. probably be a good mixture of everything, every decade, every genre. So, so hey, what do we start our list off? Perfect list here. Yeah, let's start it off. Um, well, these, okay, great. So these are in no particular order, um, but uh, I'm going to start off with Rocky and Bullwinkle. Oh, nice. That was one of those. Is, yeah, one of the six a.m. in the morning for me. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I remember the first. I, I remember I was in maybe like the third or fourth grade. It was on. Some station, and I watched it every night one summer in between, um, you know, in, you know, when I was, uh, you know, home from school, and it was, um, I just loved it, and it, it holds up so well, you know, it, it's so clever and so smart. The uh, for the longest time, I couldn't tell the difference between the Tennessee tuxedo and the Rocky and Bullwinkle. Like, if someone was to forget, well, which short was that in? And I'm like, it seemed like it was just one yeah. big show. I always, I always thought that too. The Go Go Gophers and Underdog, that that was all part of the same. Um, I don't, I, I, I don't think they had any connection though, as far as I'm aware. No, but you know, um, I can't even remember which one had General McBrag, and there was Aesop's Fables and stuff like that. So it's funny. I mean, it's all the same company, that, that same all, stuff. Yeah, that was all Rocky and Bullwinkle. Okay. The, uh, yeah. Um, great, great stuff. I, I, um, I just read a book of interviews with Chuck Jones. And he's so he's really clever and funny, but um, you know, they, he 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 can he, he you can tell he was like really charming because he'll say like really mean spirited stuff and it never feels that way. <laughs> um, and, you, and like they ask him about Rocky and Bullwinkle, and he says um, he says they have such clever writing, um, but they have no intention of animating it. Well, TV was sure limited back then. There was no budget for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but that's the thing with Rocky and Bullwinkle. It's it's like it's like a great radio show. Yeah, well, um, we, know, it comes from that that tradition of like radio radio comedy. It's from that school of what UPA was doing was not so much minimalizing, yeah. which is what other companies stole as the look, and then they just made it cheaper. But they were trying to, like, right. make it, you know, Chuck Jones was going super elaborate, heavy details, you know, the Mike yeah. Maltese stuff in the background, and UPA was kind yeah. of a response to that. Or Race Noble. Or yeah. Race Noble. Yeah, and they also had, when, when they were doing the, um, you know, Looney Tunes, they had, it's, it's funny, in this Chuck Jones book, he talks about how, you know, they were responsible for an hour of animation a year. They were doing ten shorts, each, each six minutes long, and they had, you know, not giant budgets, but pretty big budgets. And then when television starts, they're doing that much like a week with half the budget. Yeah, and the so deadlines. It's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The uh, there um, is a place up here yeah, called. Well, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, no, yeah. I think there's a delay, and I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm noticing that. I, I, I um, yeah, I, I could, I could hear myself repeat it a little bit on, on the. Uh, that's not picking up too much on the recording. No, no, it's it's an easy. Whenever I call someone back and like in my yes. hometown, I live. In, I grew up in Indiana, so a lot of my friends live there. So you get that okay. with the Midwest yeah. and the East Coast. 
The uh, but what I was gonna say is there's a place up here called Bullwinkles. It's an amusement park outside of Portland. And here's the weird thing is yeah. the logo is everywhere, the icons all over the place. Mm-hmm. You go inside, nothing. Jack shit. Like no mm-hmm. merchandising, mm-hmm. no <laughs> such a letdown. I mean, are, are kids still aware of Rocky and Bullwinkle? I don't know. I think about that with a lot of the older cartoon characters. Um, like yeah. I still see Betty Boop merchandise. Yeah, who watches yeah, that though? Yeah. No, I, I know. Even like I, I love animation and cartoons, and I, I've seen very few uh, Betty Boops. Um, it's funny. I feel like I was like seventy, asking like, "Do kids still know what <laughs> I grew up on?" Which was which was thirty years old when I was watching it. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, the Jay Ward merchandise uh, licensing or whatever has been at least somewhat yeah. visible because ever since George the Jungle hit it big in '97, you at least saw the movies yeah. coming after that. And you know, Simon and Peabody yeah, was just what a year ago. Oh, that's right. I forgot they did a new because they they did a new series of that too. It's weird they haven't exploited new, uh, it though. There's so many characters to get. Yeah, what did you think of the movie? Um, which one? Have you seen it? Oh, the, the, no, the, I enjoyed the, um, the... The Sherman and Peabody. Oh, I, I quite enjoyed it. It was really... They, they were smart, and yeah. they made it about family. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I, I, I have um, I, I have some irrational issues with, with CGI. Yeah. Um, you know, and I realized it really recently. It was, it's something so obvious that has always bothered me about CGI, and that's that it's... It's it's actually closer to stop motion animation than it is to hand drawn. Yeah, it doesn't feel so when you watch. It doesn't feel personal and yeah. handmade. Yeah, so the the characters move like like puppets or like marionettes. And I, I, I it, it, it was like a recent thing that I noticed that like I, I don't know why you know I've been watching you know CGI since Toy Story. And it took me you know twenty years to realize that. Well, have you noticed um, that lately in a lot of these. The CGI films, they've been doing like this weird editing trick, like with the Lego movie and this new mm-hmm. Spider-Man movie that's coming out. It's kind of jarring. They did it with the Peanuts as well. Okay. I, I haven't noticed. No, it's kind of like a shaky vision. It's like they cut out every... So it's, instead of smooth motion, it's like they're taking out every yeah. other frame to make it kind of jarring. I don't know why they're doing this. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I, I actually haven't seen the, uh, the Peanuts movie. It's okay. Where I work, we play kids movies all the time, yeah. and you find yourself watching them going, oh, yeah. oh, oh, no, that's, that's sure, yeah, Angry yeah. Birds? Really? We're going to play Angry Birds? This is complete crap. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the Rocky and Bullwinkle movies, of course, or the Jay Ward movies have always been kind of like a 50-50 shot. For every great one, there's a god-awful piece of crap. Yeah, I just saw they put up uh, George of the Jungle on Hulu, and I'm, I'm very tempted to... Uh... To watch it because I remember really enjoying it when it came out. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a franchise that I think if you give kids opportunity, I think they would still enjoy. It's it's a short attention span kind of show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the thing with that is like it's it's I mean, do people know Tarzan anymore? You know, are they going to know that it's a it's a parody of, of you know uh, a character from a hundred years ago? Well, you know, these pulp characters get revived. Well, it just seems like some of these franchises, I don't know why. I feel like everything's been said about Tarzan. Why is there another one? Like, there's one, like, two years ago that cost yeah. $150 million, And I'm just like, why? Oh, that's why? right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. If it's from nostalgia, it's not going to happen. Like, the Buck Rogers, Flash Gore, and the Phantom and stuff like that. It had its time. Uh, it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. What is number two on your list? 
number two is Garfield and Friends. Nice. Oh, I love that. U.S. Acres. No one remembers yeah, U.S. Acres. U.S. Acres. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I, I feel like Garfield and Friends uh, kind of gave a whole generation of kids unrealistic expectations for how funny Garfield was. Oh, yeah. Have you read it lately? Holy yeah. shit. Not even trying. Yeah, it's, 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 no. Um, it, it's, 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 it's crazy how good the show, the cartoon was, though. It's, uh, my, my girlfriend and I have been kind of re-watching them. They're all up on, uh, on Hulu. And they're still, they're so good. I got really excited when I would watch it because, yes, there'd be, there'd be like the 10-minute stories, but then they'd have those little segments yeah. in the middle where there was literally the, yeah, the, the Sunday strip. Yeah, there was like the Sunday strip that you knew was being put to animation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really? Just, yeah, well done show. Uh, my, my girlfriend, her, um, her theory is that the show is, or one of the reasons she thinks the show is, is so funny is that they make Garfield less mean than in the comic scripts. Oh, he's pretty brutal, especially in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I agree with that. I'll also add that I think they make John into less of a loser in the cartoon. Do you remember his sleazy friend at all from the comics? Lyman? Is that a, Yeah, Lyman. I haven't read that comic in forever. lived with him? Or? He had like a little pencil-thin mustache. Yeah. He was always hanging out. It's like yeah. He was like the guy from uh, Three's Company, like his best friend. Like Larry from Three's Company? Yeah. <laughs> I remember that there was a competition between Garfield and Heathcliff. And, like, I don't think anybody yeah. knows who Heathcliff is anymore. Have you read Heathcliff recently? No, no. I haven't even bothered. I feel okay, a lot of it's painful. Yeah, no, I, okay, you have to check out Heathcliff then. Anyone listening needs to pause this and look up Heathcliff. <laughs> um, Heathcliff, it, it's now being drawn by, like, the nephew of the original guy. And he's, he, it's, I, I can't tell if it's deliberately this, like, Dadaist, like, work of, of like, postmodern art, huh. or if he just genuinely doesn't know what comedy is. <laughs> um, it's, it's incredible. Um, I, I'm, I'm in a, uh, a group on Facebook. I think it's called, like, the... Um, it has a long title, but the, the, there's a running gag in Heathcliff that he loves the garbage ape. Which is an ape that comes out every trash night and like delivers garbage to houses. What? It's it's unreal. It's so it's like, yeah, I, I can't tell if it's on purpose how bizarre it is. I didn't until you this running gag where like sorry. Yeah, until you told me this right now, I thought Heathcliff ended twenty something years ago. <laughs> it's it's incredible how bizarre it is. Huh. It's like a running. There's one I have saved in my phone. It's Heathcliff in his backyard, hoisting up a flag with the word "cake" on it. And in the background, there's like the his his owner is talking to a neighbor, and she says he really likes cake. <laughs> that's it. That's a whole joke. Yeah. Holy shit! It's like yeah. anti-comedy, but purposely anti-comedy. Yeah, I can't. It's oh, man. I can't tell if he's doing this like internet meme. You know, millennial Twitter thing, or if it's, or if he's really just, you know, really just thinks that's a joke. Oh my god, that's hilarious! I, it, it is shocking though that Sunday strips have such a yeah. long following. I don't even know anybody who really reads them that much anymore, especially under like thirty. And yet, you still Wizard of It, yeah. BC. Uh, um, yeah. What's the the military one? Um, Beetle Bailey. Beetle, Beetle Bailey, yeah, the guy who did that just passed away. The original artist. Wow. Oh yeah, Mark Walker. Yeah. Yeah, 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 more Walker. Yeah, it's, it's like... You know, have you seen the documentary uh, Stripped? 
Uh, yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's they 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 talk in that about how like you know that used to be the only place to read comics, and now it's you know the internet. Yeah, well, and, it, um, um, Penny Arcade, you know, that's one of my favorites, and they've never been in a paper. Yeah. No. Right. 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 The. Uh, have you um have you watched the Heathcliff cartoon recently? We did an episode about two years ago, and I um oh, I, I actually kind of liked it. It had it must be the same team that did the yeah. Dennis the Menace cartoon because it has that kind of very the particular universe, identity. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that was I could be wrong. I think that was the last role of Mel Blanc was Heathcliff. I would not be surprised. It seems like that was that. Yeah. Or, I think he did a voice for Quackbusters, the animated movie, but then that was it. Oh really? Yeah. What comes after Garfield? So after Garfield is DuckTales. Oh, have you watched the new one? I've heard it's good. I have, I have watched the new one. Um, I, I really liked it. Um, the first, I think there's been like 10 or 11 episodes. Um, and then I've watched the, some, an episode, because I hadn't seen the original since I was a kid. Um, but after seeing the new one, I wanted to look up the original, and it really holds up. It's one of those... You know, the, the, the new Mm-hmm. It's one of those cartoons that saved animation. That and Gummy Bears, Disney yeah. came along and said, look, yeah. you can do quality on a decent budget yeah. instead of this garbage you've been throwing out there just to sell toys. And I would say them mm-hmm. and basically the independent voice, you know, like John Kay and stuff like that coming along in the late 80s, that kind of saved animation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least the less said about John Kay, the better. I know. I didn't know what the – he, uh, uh, he was part of that, though, that revival of classic animation. Yeah. Yeah. But still, yeah. Ugh. It was in- incredibly disturbing news about Oh, that. yeah. That's, that fucked me up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank God he didn't have anything to do with DuckTales. Yeah, DuckTales. Let's get back to my happy note. <laughs> that, uh, that is one of the best. Nintendo games were notorious for being, if they were an adaptation of a movie or a cartoon or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, Notorious yeah. garbage, yeah. but that DuckTales was really solid. Yeah, and, and you know, watching the original series again, it, it still has such a, a charm to it. You know, I, 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 I you said you haven't seen any of the new the new series. No, I, I don't watch regular TV. It's weird. I mean, it might be on Netflix, yeah. but I don't know. I'm still caught up on. I'm trying to catch up on the Marvel shows. I'm still so far behind. Oh, yeah. uh, streaming has basically destroyed my attention span because something new pops up every damn day. I know. Yeah. You know what I do with like Stranger Things. Um, or, or any like the Netflix show, Stranger Things always ends on a really exciting cliffhanger, get, trying to get you to like binge and watch the next one. Mm-hmm. So what I'll do is I'll watch the ending, I'll let it segue into the next episode. I'll watch like the first you know three or four minutes to wrap up the cliffhanger, and then I'll shut it off. So do you and spread it out next time? Do you spread it out like yeah, old television, yeah. like the way you, you just like watch one episode I, a week? Because that's what I do. I used to watch one or two episodes, and yeah. then I wait a week or so and, and then do it again. I'll do the same thing, but I'll do it, like, over a day. I'll watch, like, one or two a day. Um, but the um, the new the new DuckTales, each episode kind of follows this formula that, like, it, it, it seems like they're going to go on an exciting adventure. It's actually boring. And then there's a twist where there is some kind of, uh, you know, fantastic or, or kind of crazy thing that happens. So it's, it's kind of clever that way that they kind of subvert, like, you know, they, they, they did an episode where... Um, you know, they go to Vegas and they think they're going to go have this adventure climbing a mountain somewhere. 
and they end up getting trapped in a casino where it's boring, and then there's a twist where the casino is actually, you know, haunted by this, this, um, you know, this spirit. Um, so it's clever that way, but I, I don't know, the original just has, I don't know, there's, there's something just kind of pleasant about the original that I really like. My favorite thing is when I was a kid, I dreamed of jumping into that giant pile of coins, but I know now oh, yeah. as an adult, yeah. if I did that, I would shatter every bone in my body. <laughs> yeah. You had another trick, like Scrooge had. There's, there's an early, I don't know if it's an episode or a comic, I think it might be in the comic book where one of the Beagle Boys tries to jump in and gets injured, and Scrooge says that he knows, you know, he knows how to do it, not everyone can do it. Huh. Did, but did he say what the trick yeah. was, or he just left it ambiguous? Uh, I, I, I don't remember. Oh. I don't remember. I never read those comics. But, uh, that's that's Carl Banks stuff, right? Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. And great, great voice work on the original DuckTales. Alan Young and uh, June Foray. Yeah, Launchpad McQuack was probably my favorite character in that series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking recently about... Because um, June, June Foray passed away last year... Um, just a, 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 like a month or two shy of her 100th birthday. Oh, it's gonna suck. And uh, yeah, and I, I was, you know, thinking about that. It made me realize that you know, Ducktales was only 30, 25 years ago. That means that she was in her 60s when she was beginning to do, um, you know, Mac Magic and Dispel. And the same with Alan Young, who who was all, who passed away recently too. He was also late into his 90s. You know, these were two people in their 60s who are like the star, you know, they, they it's, um, yeah, you know, they, they had such a pro prolific career so well into, you know, you know, in, into their 70s and 80s and 90s. It's, you know, the whole class from the class, you know, like the, the old vintage shorts, like everybody who did voice work is yeah. gone. Stan Freeberg's gone. You know, they're all gone now. And, yeah, and back then yeah. you had maybe like two dozen career voiceover you know for animation and we still yeah. have them we have like rob paulson and stuff like that but now it seems like animation yeah. is more yeah. focused on what actor what known entity can we do you know who can we get to do this voice and you're like well that's right, not it's not right, special right. yeah yeah like even um i mean like like we're talking about garfield like lorenzo music who did his voice so iconic is he gone I feel like uh, he's oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. He, he passed away a, a while ago, like 2000 or 2001. Oh, well, that was a lot longer than I thought. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very unique. What I also love is trying to match up the actors. Like, a lot of the cartoons in the 80s and 90s had the yeah. same people, so you're like, well, that's the voice of, yeah. you know, Duke from G.I. Joe, and, like, well, Lorenzo Music right, also right, did, like, right. the, the dad on Baby Blues or something like that. Like, he would just play... Oh, no, 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 uh, Rugrats. Yeah, well, Rugrats. He, he was... No, that was, that was um, Jack Riley. Oh, that's weird. The whole time I thought it was Lorenzo Music. Was, it's funny. It's funny that you said that because they actually both worked on the Bob Newhart show. Ah. Oh, he you're was, right. He you're right. Was, Lorenzo Music was one of the writers, and then um, I think I'm getting his name right. Jack Riley. He he played Mr. Carlin on the Bob Newhart show. Okay. I didn't realize that was a different uh, person. Lorenzo, yeah. Yeah, and then Lorenzo Music was, because um, he was a comedy writer, because uh, he wrote Buck Newhart and married Tyler Moore and Rhoda, and, and it was on Rhoda that he did the voice of the doorman. Mm-hmm. Just always plastered. Hmm. Yeah, I remember he used to do these, uh, I can't believe it's not butter commercials, I think that's what it was, where him and his oh, wife, yeah, you, all, yeah, all you saw yeah. were the hands. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's so fucking yeah, nerdy. Great, great voice. <laughs> yeah. so, that's such yeah. a deep cut. No one knows what the hell we're talking about right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, I, I, always, I used to say this about, about Ken and about myself, but, that I feel like, um, you know, before the internet, before the written language, you know, before all this, you know, they needed people like us who could just remember everything. Yeah. Um, I had a movie guy. I had a movie guy that he would constantly like, okay, let me see the movie yeah. guy. Let me see what you, what you, okay, it's not in here. What do you know about this? I'm like, I, okay, hold on. Right. <laughs> this, this kind of cultural memory used to be like a really important skill back when people, you know, lived in caves. And, but, you know, after, I don't know, ancient Greece, like we, we became less and less important. Oh, Wikipedia destroyed an IMDb. <laughs> I know. It's, I mean, like, I, I, Leonard Maltin used to write those movie guides, and now you don't need those anymore. No, I, I, did they even sell them? Were, I imagine there's somebody still out there buying them, like, but it's much lower print those. run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's uh, what's after Garfield? Uh, DuckTales was after Garfield. Oh, sorry. But after after DuckTales, no. <laughs> we talked about Lorenzo music, and I got lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, after after DuckTales, I'm gonna go with uh, the Looney Tunes. Now. Just um, any kind of Looney Tune package. There was a for a while, Looney Tunes was packaging mm-hmm. up everything that was like pre nineteen forty five, forty six, and putting it in. Yeah. Oh, so, oh, it was like APP was the name of the logo, I think. And they used to air it like at I six o'clock that. in the morning. It was always like the old old stuff, which you cannot oh, find really? on any of those DVD collections. But I have no. strong memories of all those, but you can't find them. Yeah. You know, it's it's really tricky because there there are just so many of those. It's like how how do you you know how are you going to sell them? Because the, the DVDs they did were kind of like best ofs. Well, the ones because that were like know, character, they their house of known characters, yeah. their mascots is what they're focused on. Yeah. But most of those cartoons were like when they you know when, when Bugs Bunny was ugly, when Elmer Fudd looked really strange, yeah. and you know yeah, then it was like yeah. a lot of like uh, uh, Cary Grant kind of uh, those kind yeah. of like segue stuff. Those are the ones yeah, that you can't yeah. find. No, I mean they, they just did the um, uh, the Porky Pig, like the black and white Porky Pigs. They did a whole DVD set of I, I think it's 101 Porky Pig cartoons. That's a lot. Um, yeah, it's supposed to be really good, but it was kind of an experiment to see like if, if is there an audience for this. I hope so, because I'm still looking yeah. for so many of those cartoons. Well, I really enjoy yeah. when uh, they started doing the CinemaScope versions. But when you saw them as a kid, they were cut and stretched and squished and whatever, and they never looked right. But I want to see the full-on, yeah. cleaned-up prints of those. Have you seen those in a theater? Um, you know what's funny is, when I lived in Monterey, um, mm-hmm. there was a guy who came around and bought two of these small theaters that we had downtown. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he had his own prints. And once the theater was closed, like at 10 o'clock at night, he would come upstairs and load up all of his animated shorts. And we would see stuff yeah. that was like promo reels, you know, like uh, this is what we're yeah. going to be oh, doing cool. this year for Wonder Woman, which only was ever shown to um, uh, exhibitionists. And that's not the word um, I'm looking for. Oh. Yeah, so he had all this stuff. And he had like the Warner yeah. Brothers 50th anniversary special hosted by Chevy Chase on film. And. Oh wow! Yeah, so, so is that, is that, that's the one with like Steve Martin and um, Bill Murray and the, the one where they interview people. Basically, yeah. So they interview them, but then then they would show yeah. like clips from that. So yeah. I don't know if they just showed it for a short period oh, of time. That's so funny. Yeah, so it's the only time I've really seen on, those. That's on one of the DVD sets. 
Is it? I didn't know it's that. so good. Oh my god, Bill Murray talking about, like, being friends with, uh... He talks about, like, being friends with Pepe Le Pew and how, like, his career kind of fizzled out. And <laughs> it's, it's so good. It's so funny. So on, on New Year's Day at this theater, the owner would yeah. put together, like, a two-hour reel, and he would show it in an empty theater, and he let everybody come for free. But we had this one wow. guy. Uh, the theater was under construction, so it was being rebuilt the way it used to look in when it was originally built, like 1911. And mm -hmm. um, so one of the guys was really outgoing, and he went out into the street in this crazy outfit with a bullhorn, yeah. walking to the streets yeah. going, "Free cartoons at the Golden State Theater! Come on over!" He did it for hours. I'm like, who has that stamina? Oh, that's so good. Yeah, that's the only time I've seen him though. I. There's something that I truly cherish. Who would would you say is your favorite um, character and also director? Um, I guess Bugs Bunny is, is probably my favorite. Um, and you know, I go back and forth between Frizz Freeling and Chuck Jones. It's, I, I love. It seems like it's cool. It seems like it's cool for people to say that Chuck Jones was cold and disconnected. Like, over the last decade, I'm like, yeah. what are you talking about? Because everybody praised Chuck Jones so much that I think people are getting sick of it. They're like, no, Frizz is the funny one. No one says McKimson. Yeah. Nobody says McKimson. But... No, he's really, yeah, McKimson gets, uh, yeah, he, he, he really gets, um, yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of uh, I don't know what the word is, pushed aside. But, I mean, like, the, the I mean, he created the Tasmanian Devil. Yeah. Well, I think the thing is, is that he was more workmanlike. He was very efficient. Yeah. Chuck Jones was. Yeah. Chuck Jones had the the beautiful artwork, the very crazy set designs, mm -hmm. um, backgrounds. Yeah, I think he was good at self promotion too. And Freeling was the funnier one. He really knew the jokes. Yeah. So it's hard so, to choose. Yeah. I, the, the, first Freeling was kind of the master at doing the same joke like ten times in a row, and you you wouldn't even tell because he would do such like variations on it that you didn't realize you're watching the same. You know, like the, um, I forget the name of it now, the one with um, Yosemite Sam and Bugs Bunny where uh, he's watching someone like high dive into a, uh, into a pool <laughs> and the guy is like sick. And, and so Yosemite Sam is trying to force Bugs to jump off of this diving board into the pool. And each time Bugs makes Yosemite Sam, tricks Yosemite Sam into doing it. And that's it. It's just variations on that for the entire seven minutes. I feel like Chuck stole a little so bit of that attitude with the duck season, wabbit season, because it's essentially every gag yeah. in all three of those shorts is Daffy yeah. is trying to outwit Bugs Bunny, fails every time, and gets shot in the face. And that does yeah. seem like it was taken from the school of Frizz Freeling. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 uh, the, I mean, the, the Looney Tunes are, are like my favorite comedy things ever. You know, I, I, I think that they're really just, um, yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, so great. Most people of my generation, probably your generation, well, I guess we're the, kind of the same generation, generation, what? Yeah. yeah. X or whatever it is. But um, it seems like everybody loves Space Jam and everybody ignores Looney Tunes back in action. And I go, I, no. So, I, hate, I hate Space Jam. Yeah. Looney Tunes back in action is, is you know, not, maybe not a great movie, but it's definitely better. It was my thing with with Space Jam. Why I don't like it. Space Jam. They tried to turn the Looney Tunes into the Muppets. You know, which I, I love the Muppets, but the, the Muppets are this kind of band of lovable losers, 
and you know when when the going gets tough they band together and they you know accomplish what they set out to do and that's them and that's great but the looney tunes are a bunch of wild animals who are trying to eat each other <laughs> basically and the pop culture references were severely out of place yes i know they did them yeah, in the early 30s yeah. and stuff like that but it really did not was not part of the looney tunes world once like you know, Tashlin and Avery were out. Once those guys were out, the yeah. pop culture references kind of went yeah. aside. What is after Looney Tunes? Yeah. Uh, after the Looney Tunes for me is, um, I'm going to say Samurai Pizza Cats. Wow. Do you remember them? Yeah, because someone suggested it. We, yeah. For a short run, we did these things oh, called, really? we did it called What the Fuck Tunes, where it was really, really yeah. strange cartoons. It only, we only did like eight of them. But that was one of them, and yeah. I just left her going, uh, what did I just watch? <laughs> so bizarre. You know you know the whole story behind it? I can't remember if I did. I It's left my brain. So it, it was a, it was a uh, you know, Japanese uh, anime, kind of a Ninja Turtles knockoff. And when they, when, when the American company got the scripts that were translated, they didn't make any sense. They were like terrible translations. So they threw out the, the scripts and they just made up stories based on the animation. Oh my god, so it's like most extreme elimination challenge, but in animation. Yeah, yeah. Weird. So they didn't know yeah. exactly what the original director intended, they just kind of winged it based no. on what they were watching. That's That, that yeah. makes a lot more sense. It's really clever, yeah. It's, it's a really fun idea. It's like improv um, ca uh, cartoons. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that would never get on TV today. They would, they would never allow something like that. No, no. Well, you know, back then they were desperate for can you know, just to, anything that they could syndicate sure. to fill a schedule. Sure. There wasn't enough animation because cable was just going crazy. Um, yes, there's a ton of like the streaming apps now, but mm -hmm. it just feels like back then they were grabbing everything they could from foreign companies and just bringing it over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't say I was a fan of that one, but I get why that's yeah. uh, it has a following. I liked, yeah, I, I yeah yeah I, I haven't seen it in a while, but um, it still makes my playlist. All right, what comes after that? Uh, after that, I think I'm gonna go with um, Eek the Cat. Oh, Savage Steve Holland. Eek the Cat. <laughs> yes. <Great>. So <laughs> so good. And have you seen it recently? Yeah, it's it holds up really holds up well. So well. Yeah, it was I during a, um, yeah it's during that revival of like the unique design yeah. and voice that was coming out of animation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um, going from the '80s into the '90s was was such a um, you know I, I feel like if I were ever going to write a book like a nonfiction book, I would write it about the the uh, half hour cartoons from the, the half hour commercials from the '80s. Do you know this whole this whole crazy history? Is it's because the um, FCC lifted a ban, right, on on yeah. doing it, shows that were basically promotional it, items? It, it was because of, of Ronald Reagan. Of course. Um, when he became president, he deregulated the FCC. So before before the eighties, they tried to do Hot Wheels tried to do a show, and they were told by the FCC, well, that's a commercial so if you're going to be on tv you have to pay um you know i'm, I'm probably getting some of the the the, the history of the economics of it wrong but like you have to pay for the airtime the way that a advertiser would 
So it would cost them way, way too much money to do that. In the 80s, they changed that rule, and you know, and that's where you get Transformers and, and G.I. Joe and He-Man and, and Strawberry Shortcake, and, um, and everything was... Um, yeah, and I, I feel like a lot of it led, led from Star Wars, which, you know, I, I love Star Wars, but I feel like that, that whole... Um, how does the sound? I feel like I'm I'm hearing myself. Like I don't know if that's if that's messing up your <laughs> no. You're fine. Your audio. You're fine. Okay. The uh, but yeah, it's, it's like it's, nonstop. It's, commercial. Gonna, yeah. it's all those commercials basically led yeah. to the nest you know, the necessary uh, avenue of you know creator owned and cable like giving uh, you know yeah. these outsiders a, a shot because everything was um, uh, a, a toy advertisement and so many failures. I can't be- begin to tell you yeah. like mad balls, sectars and humanoids and robotics yeah. and sh- yeah. stuff that I watched. And that, that's kind of the, um, um, you know, um, I, 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 the, that, that's kind of inspired a, um, my, my short film, Dino Warriors. Which, which I thought uh, was real I, I for a minute. This. I thought it was real. I just like I don't remember that one. Looking around for it, I go, I don't see a history yeah. on this. And then he told me. <laughs> well, that, that was kind of the. It was. It was. Um, you know, I wanted it to be believable as like a real show. You know, I. I um, <clears throat> so Dino Warriors is 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 um, you know inspired by all of the 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 dinosaur themed Ninja Turtles knockoffs like dino uh, saucers dino riders uh extreme dinosaurs um you know there, there was just such a, a glut of you know there, there were so many ninja turtles knockoffs as it was excuse me you know there's battle toads and biker mice from mars and all of these like it's basically like you take an animal you make it a person you have them fight crime and um you know and then the, the dinosaur one was kind of a a, a even um you know, subgenre of that. So, Dino Warriors is like a mockumentary about one of these cartoons that has been kind of forgotten from the early '90s. And you know, it's kind of a show that that, that um, you know, it kind of, it kind of, it kind of bridges the the, the um, you know between the kind of toy based stuff because we get into like all the, the 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 merchandise and stuff and the you know what the show was. <laughs> That, that sounds like one of those things that you know only goes on in someone's head. You don't actually work it out on paper, or and beyond that, you're like, oh, you committed. Dino Wars, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a. Um, forget how long it is, but it's over 20 minutes. It's, it's about 24 minutes long. Um, yes, DinoWarriors.com. If anyone wants to check it out. Uh, you know what? Uh, if it's cool, I'll share it over on on uh, oh, the back and awesome. page. Oh yeah, thank you. Yeah, love that. Uh, Eek the Cat, though, um, another one of those Eek kind of throwback to the attitude and style of like Looney Tunes and, and you know uh, yeah. Woody Woodpecker, you know, just like really fast and furious and very funny, um, and it just feels like that was only around in the early '90s, like just for three or four years yeah. there. There's a lot of these like really crazy balls, and usually on Fox. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 The Fox Kid stuff. Um, even like Tiny Toons and Animaniacs. I feel like had that same, that same kind of energy. Um, I have a, a um, I, every every Christmas I watch the Eat the Cat Christmas, and it, it's so funny. It's really like a shame. William Shatner plays Santa Claus. Yeah, it's a shame that Savage Steve Holland really. When he did come back to film, it was just like these cheapo TV movies. I mean, if you look at the strength of his first two films, 
it is a shame that how I got oh, into college yeah, yeah. is such a letdown. You're like, oh, that's why you waited three years. Ugh. Um, I, uh, I'm not, I, 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 I'm not too familiar with his. Uh, I know he did his first movie was John Cusack. Was it Better Off Dead? Yeah, so it was Better Off Dead, One Crazy Summer, yeah. and then I think he created okay. Beans Baxter for Fox, and that's how he got into their house. And then he did um, How I Got Into okay. College for Fox, but that got barely released, and it okay. just it's okay. But then that's how he ended up okay. going into Eek the Cat. Right, right, right. I know he was he was he was like nineteen or something when he did uh, Better Off Dead. I think wow. he was like really young, maybe not nineteen, but I think he was like you know college age. When I was 19, I was uh, like, how little can I work and still pay for college? Hmm. <laughs> I just never look at my schedule. 20 hours? Good God, you're just slave driver. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, do you have anything after Eek the Cat? I do, yeah. I have, um, I have, I have a couple here. I didn't know, you, you said about 10? Is, is that a good number? Yeah, or, it's usually, uh, well, I mean, some people only do like 7 or 8, but I was like, at 10, is usually okay. like, let's probably wrap it up there. Yeah, I, I have a full ten if we want to. If you want to run, yeah, through hit me with them. Uh, all right, so I never get like a Lord of the Rings length episode going on. <laughs> well, we're only at forty five minutes. We usually wrap it around like hour, hour and five minutes, but we're good. Okay, awesome. Uh, so the next one I have on here is uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Oh god, it's as if you were psychic. I was yeah. literally thinking, like when we we're talking Eat the Cat, I was like, man, they had that crazy oh, ca- yeah. Killer Tomatoes cartoon back then. Yeah. Attack yeah, which, um, of the Killer Tomatoes. Right. <laughs> So good, and John Aston doing the uh, reprising his role from the movie. I can't remember the guy who who was the main star. He was, uh, you know, on Riptide. Um, he lives up here. And I keep meaning to oh, try really? to find him so I can interview him, but um, yeah, oh, Tom Bray, Tom Bray. Have you seen those movies, the Killer Tomato movies? Yeah, I uh, okay. You you remember the days when you had to hunt stuff down in video stores? Like you had to go all over the place oh, yeah. and try to find rare things. Oh yeah. The first two yeah. are the most commonly found, but it's three and four that were kind of harder. Yeah. And um, I was not even aware there was a fourth. Oh yeah, what is it goes? Uh, Wait, the the Killer Tomatoes eat Paris. I know is is that the third one? So it's of course the original, then Return, yeah. then Strike Back, and then France. I think. Okay. Or Paris. Okay, okay. I think. Interesting. I've seen. I've seen. I've definitely seen the first two. Yeah, the third and fourth uh, one are okay. Which, you can clearly see that they were shot at the same time, like for three hundred thousand oh, dollars. Really? So they're okay, yeah, but they're not great. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny. Do they? I mean, it, yeah. That, that that whole world of like, I don't know if they made that today. Would that be like a YouTube video or? or uh, well, speaking of, you know, the do you remember the sketch yeah. on YouTube called Ask a Ninja? Yeah. They were hired so. to do the Killer Tomatoes remake, but that was like 10 years ago and nothing's ever happened with it. Oh, but the problem is, is interesting. they took the time off to write the movie, but they stopped doing the yeah. sketches for Ask a Ninja when they came back and no one cared. It was like only a year. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I, I don't know if you can recapture that that magic five times yeah. Killer Tomatoes. The, uh, you know, the problem with current... Uh, content is that you constantly have to feed that beast. People need it. Con- yeah. I, I don't know how Ken does two episodes a week. I kind of have that pattern, but there's times when like I'll take three weeks off and just do reruns, yeah. and I just yeah. need a break because I'll get sick of doing it. Right, right, right. Do you ever listen to uh, movie by minute podcasts? No, I haven't heard of that one. They are. It's a, it's a whole series where they watch. Uh, a minute a day of a movie and then talk and then do a podcast about it 
like a movie they've so never I seen before, so they just guess what the movie's about. Oh no 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 they um n- not the ones that I've listened to. I listened to Star Wars Minute, where they watch one minute of every Star Wars movie a day, and then they they talk about it. So right now they're in like the the middle of uh, Revenge of the Sith. So every day they watch one minute, talk about it for like half an hour, um, huh. and then the next day, you know, the same thing. Um, and yeah, it, it's incredible that they put out, um, you know, five podcasts a week. Man, I just can't do it. I couldn't do it. It's just not enough. Yeah. I mean, I got a yeah. full time job. I just don't have the energy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 The uh, I forgot where we were. What were, were we just talking? Okay, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. What comes after Attack of the Killer, Killer Tomatoes? Killer uh, Freakazoid. Freakazoid. Oh my God. So by the time 95 rolled around, I was a freshman in college and I yeah. kind of stopped watching animation yeah. except for that chunk yeah. on Warner Brothers or the WB. Yeah. Kids WB. No, they showed it in primetime. They showed it Sunday nights on oh, primetime. Really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Interesting. I, I feel like Freakazoid might be the funniest of that whole batch of like Steven Spielberg produced shows. Definitely. So short lived yeah, too. Yeah. So heartbreaking. Yeah, two two seasons I think. Yeah, I don't even think the second was a full season though. I think they didn't even air all oh, of them. Yeah. They canceled it. It's so so funny. Um, they are, um, you know, it was supposed to be Bruce Tim and Paul Dini. It was going to be like a a more serious kind of real action show. Huh. And then um, and then Spielberg wanted it to be more of a comedy, and Bruce Tim quit he said because he didn't feel comfortable like writing a comedy you know the idea was like the original idea was like what if the joker was a hero that explains uh, a lot i thought maybe it was supposed to be like madman yeah. you know uh, uh, mike allred's uh comic that's what it kind I, of feels like i'm, I'm just, yeah I, i'm sort of familiar with that i know that that was um but yeah and then they hired the the writers from animaniacs and like the last minute they had all the bruce tim designs and then they just had the the Animaniacs writers write it, and it's yeah so so funny. I know they're they're bringing back uh, Animaniacs. I think they should bring back Freakazoid. Well, it feels like you know with nostalgia going full blast right now, it'd be cool if they did like um, like an anthology cartoon where they just mixed up different characters from their catalog, especially of the mid '90s. Oh, have yeah. Tiny Toons, yeah. have uh, Animaniacs, have yeah. Pinky and the Brain and Freakazoid. Tiny Toons is still great too. Yeah, Maybe, yeah even yeah. Batman Beyond, and, made a little uh, short. Yeah. Yeah, again, the, the 90s were, you know, not, not to sound like a uh, 100-year-old millennial here, but the, the 90s were such a great time for cartoons. It was. The 80s were so nostalgic for the yeah. 80s, but I got to tell you, maybe there's five. Yeah. Five out of the entire batch that's worth a damn. And, 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 yeah, yeah, and I'm really giving it more credit than probably uh, – Transformers and G.I. Joe are great in concept and characters, but a lot of times yeah. you struggle to get through some of that. I, I feel that way about the Ninja Turtles too. The that was original on Ninja Turtle show. Forever, it was on for so long. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, I really liked the 2003 show. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. No, uh, we just did an episode last night about Ninja Turtles, like the original comics. Yeah, really. And he's like, "You've got to see the yeah. 2003 oh, run because it really sticks close it's to the really comics." Really good. I want to watch that. Yeah, they follow the storylines from the original comics pretty close. You know, they tone down the violence, um, you know, for 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 TV, but. Um, yeah, I mean, that's like what I was saying. You know, you're always afraid to watch stuff you loved as a kid because you're afraid it's going to be terrible. And um, a lot of times with cartoons, it is. 
I notice a lot of it when I revisit movies. I'm like, oh wow, we were really yeah. homophobic in the '80s. That's a lot of. Oof. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The uh, yeah, the '90s yeah. holds up better when it comes to animation, but I have a hard time locking yeah. into the shows. I don't I don't like the family sitcoms. I never really watched them when I was that age, which is weird, I know. Maybe just the Cosby show. The eighties and nineties, you know, when the family sitcom was so big, I never watched any of the TGIF sure. stuff. I was always watching workplace yeah. comedies. I mean like everybody else was watching Home Improvement and I was watching news radio. <laughs> well you knew good writing. Yeah. It still holds up so well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I also really like news radio. <laughs> Though that that era of like the adult comedies, okay, that sounded filthy, but you know yeah. what I mean. Um, like Cheers and Wings and yeah. uh, Wings. Pre- Wings is still so good. Yeah, some of them just like they really hold up, but they're not talked about anymore. And then everybody's like crazy about Full House. I'm like, that was complete and absolute shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, where are we at on our list? Uh, what's after uh, um, Freakazoid? Uh, after yeah, after Freakazoid, um, I don't know if you remember the Adventures of T Rex. No, that is actually completely no. new to me. What is this? <laughs> right. So the Adventures of T Rex is this is a show that really inspired uh, Dino Warriors in a lot of ways. It's um, a show about five brothers who are Tyrannosaurus Rexes. And it takes place in a world where it's the 30s or the 40s, but everyone is a dinosaur. Huh. Um, so everyone goes out to these, like, vaudeville nightclub shows. And these, the, 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 the um, you know, T-Rex, they are, like, vaudeville performers. And then they also fight crime. So is it like a throwback to old serials, you know, like noir kind of adventures, uh, like The Shadow and stuff? Sort of, yeah. It's got like a, like a noir kind of vibe to it. It's definitely a Ninja Turtles clone, um, but done in such a weird way. And then all of the dinosaurs' voices are impressions of comedians from the 40s and 50s. <laughs> so cat skills. <laughs> yeah, so there's one that's like Art Carney, and there's one that's like Jimmy Durante. Um, there's one that's like Jack Benny, um, and it's the kind of thing that like I, I feel like I, you know I watched it when I was like five or six, and I feel like it, it like you know buried something in my brain that like you know sprouted when I was an adult. Because now my favorite things are like cartoons and old comedy and dinosaurs, and it's like oh was it was I drawn to this show because I like those things or did I watch this as a kid and it just like. You know, it imprinted itself on my brain like a baby duckling. Maybe it's like one of those Benjamin Button things. You were a baby, but you're really an old man in your head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I yeah. really do like noir. I mean, it was something that I completely missed. Yep. I mean, maybe from a nostalgia standpoint, I even missed it. Because it seems like that was kind of a 70s, early 80s thing. And I was way too young to really get into that. You know, I have no nostalgia for cool. Popeye or Brenda Starr. Oh, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you know, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Even Dick Tracy, I wasn't. I like the movie, but I wasn't like, oh, well, I love this. But I do quite like yeah. noir, and it's more from a design standpoint. Sure, sure, sure. I actually watched uh, the Dick Tracy movie for the first time ever uh, recently. Because um, my, my girlfriend used to like it when she was a kid, but hadn't seen it since then. And it, it is nuts. That movie is... It's it's so interesting. It was it was it was like they saw Batman and thought like, oh, people like the cool '40s outfits. That's it. 
Yeah. That's when Al Pacino like, lost it, man. He that's when he started going just off the rails constantly. The cast is incredible. Al Pacino and like Warren Beatty and Dustin Hoffman. Cashing in some friend cards right there. Yeah. Did you ever see the cartoon? Because that is some racist shit right there. Ooh. Uh, from from like the forties? No, there's a sixties. Oh. I want to say it's from Filmation, and they oh, they really? did a real low budget Saturday afternoon cartoons, real limited mm. animation. But you're yeah. like, oh, that's how you thought Asians were. That's uh, painful. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. 60s were not a good decade for Asian people. That I just think of Mickey Rooney now. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Just, uh, no, stop, stop, stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really unfortunate. <laughs> uh, what else do we have on our list? Uh, so the last show I have on here is um, uh, Kablam. I have not seen that one. Jerome Kablam. Oh, Disney? Kablam was a ABC? Nicktoon. Oh, okay. It was, um, I wanted to have at least one Nicktoon on here, because I, I loved, um, you know, Our Real Monsters, and, um, you know, Rugrats, and Hey Arnold, and everything. Uh, Kablam! came a little bit later, and it was kind of a, um, almost like a sketch comedy, like, cartoon. Because it had, it had two hosts, and each, each segment had, like, a different style of animation. Um... You know, there there were some that were like claymation, and others that were like there was one bit called Life with Loopy, uh-huh. and it was about this little girl, and it was um, kind of a combination of like puppets and stop motion and like hand drawn, some really like clever like creative stuff. So it's like more like a variety cartoon or an anthology. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Is it beeping me? Oh, that's not me. Uh, okay. Is there a bomb? Uh, maybe <laughs> I don't know. I told you I am. Uh, yeah, I, I've been recording this uh, sitting in a car. Um, my girlfriend is uh, doing stand-up right now, and um, I've been in her car for the last hour. Um, <laughs> looking around, just making sure. So, uh, just, just looking around, just making me. Uh, um, <laughs> she's been, she's been waiting for me inside for the last hour. She thought that I was uh, just coming out here to like tie my shoe. Oh no! <laughs> All right, we'll wrap this up. Yeah, Kablam is, is uh, that, that's during the era where I stopped watching cartoons. They're um, from sure, probably yeah. except for like maybe the Batman, and Superman from like '97 till about yeah. 2001 when I discovered Adult Swim. I stopped watching animation. And so there's a gap there where I don't oh, know yeah, any yeah. of that stuff. Sure, sure. Um, so yeah, it was. Um, I'm right. sorry. Not your go ahead. No, that was, that was another thing that the, the um, you know that that you know it's not really early Nickelodeon, but that like mid, um, you know, early to 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 mid Nickelodeon stuff, just so clever and, and creative and and. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that when I was a kid, they made all the best stuff and everything before and after is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel, okay, the 80s seemed to be Nickelodeon just buying stuff from people, just like Canadian yeah. shows and, and British shows. Yeah. The 90s is yeah, when they finally had enough, to... yeah, they had enough audience, enough money to start developing their own programming, but they never wanted yeah. to, they, they seem like they're always doing counter-programming. What is Disney doing? What is this network doing? Let's do the exact opposite. Right, right, right. Yeah, and that was something I noticed. I know we, might, we we talked about Garfield a little bit. That so much of it, 
feels like it's making fun of other cartoons at the time that, that like the writers didn't like. Yeah, it's just it was a really golden era for animation, yeah. and now I feel like everything. Yeah. Once Flash animation came in, I know Flash made things yeah. cheaper and easier and, and independent people could do yeah. it, but Flash just looks like hell, except for like maybe Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. It's like the only one that utilized Flash properly. Yeah. You know, it's, I was watching a, um, I was watching an old, um, an episode of, of uh, uh, the Walt Disney, um, I forget the name of the show that he used to have in the 50s. Wonderful the, World the, of the, Disney, the I think? The, the one, Right, yeah, 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 The Wonderful World of, of Disney, and um, they showed his animators, like, animating, and they, they played it back, and it was one of the dwarves from uh, Snow White dancing, and I thought, wow, that's a very, like, modern kind of way that it's moving, it's such... and then the voiceover was like, they were unhappy with how unprofessional it was, so they studied, and then they studied, like, a guy dancing, they draw, and I was like, oh, the, like, what, what they would have seen back then as being like unprofessional and lazy is is to me like a modern like what modern animation looks like i imagine disney losing his mind mm -hmm. when he saw hanna Barbera cutting their costs and doing you know i mean i do yeah. like their stuff for tv but the difference must have been like he was like oh no 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 yeah it's you know it's yeah it's 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 so interesting what like you know how, how much I don't know how much of our lives we've spent watching, like, cartoon characters barely move. Yeah, how much it holds up. The stuff you remember yeah. most is the stuff yeah. that were shorts that were packaged up and then put into uh, syndication. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that pretty much brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you very much for sharing yeah. your list. Is there anything you want Thank to plug you, before uh, you go? Um, I guess DinoWarriors.com if you like cartoons which if you listen to this podcast i would assume you do unless you're like hate listening to it um, <laughs> i i just hate listening really hates cartoons <laughs> just um but yeah dinowarriors.com um yeah I guess, I guess that's what i'm plugging i'm also at dino warriors on twitter that's the official dino warriors account the funny thing about some of the fans is they're real hardcore at times, and then they're like, look, I stopped listening to the episode when your co-host didn't know that there were like these animated shorts with uh, Daffy Duck and Speedy Gonzalez going after each other for a year. I'm like, that's what you stopped what? listening because of that obscure 1967? <laughs> Nobody was watching yeah. them. Yeah, it's so funny. Yeah. I always, you know, I, I always try to, you know, you never know. I don't know. I don't, is, is it better to um, is it better to know every every single detail of a cartoon, or is it better to uh, lead a rich and fulfilling life? Yeah, I just like learning as we're going. We, we called ourselves the animation archaeologists yeah. because we're right, kind of discovering right. this. We don't know everything. This is just a learning yeah. process. Yeah, yeah. Have you have you seen? Uh, there's a new book about '80s cartoons that just came out. Um, I forget what it's called. Um, so, uh, so uh, <laughs> dead stop. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a book about it. No, but I was looking through it the other day. It was so it, it's it's. Uh, I feel like however much you know about, I mean, I, I I say cartoons just because that's like what I'm interested in. But like just about anything, like like you know, no matter how much you know, there's there's like a universe of things you you'll you know maybe never know. Yeah, and I don't, I'm not sure I want yeah. to know. It feels like the people who are heavy on details, 
here's the thing that I've learned. Um, knowing a lot of stuff doesn't make you intelligent. The desire, yeah. the desire to learn stuff is usually yeah. what makes you intelligent. Yeah. I don't want to be that person who just goes, well, did you know that in fact in 1973, right. not 1972, right. like you have no friends. Go away. Right, 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 <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, so I don't, I never know how to end an episode, so I guess everybody sure. just uh, keep watching cartoons. Check us out on Facebook under Back in Tunes, and thank you very much for being an excellent host. Sometimes I hit like a wall, like, well, I don't, I only, I don't really know what I watched when I was a kid. I was like, oh, why did you want to do this? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's right. You know, this was hard. I, I, I put together a list of um, like 20 cartoons and then I just cut it down to 10. I always sound like a dick when I do that, though. I was like, oh, you can only do 10. Yeah. It's just because I'm an old man now, man. I, no, I, I got to get my game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we yeah. used to do I mean, two-hour episodes and it yeah. just doesn't work anymore. Sure, yeah, no, I can imagine. I guess this is where we wrap it up. Have a good night, everybody. All right. All right. <laughs> Welcome to Comics on Infinite Earths. This week we'll be discussing Green Lantern, Emerald Dawn. I'm your host, Michael, and this week we have Avery coming back to the show. How's it going, Avery? Everything's going good, man. Been a little bit busy, but I have totally missed this. I loved doing these shows with you, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it was one of these things where, like you and I discussed in one episode, the weather here is just atrocious. It's already rained like 60 inches so far this year. So every time you go to record, it's pouring down so hard that it makes it I've, I've done a couple episodes where it rained and all you can hear in the background is it sounds awful so it's oh, my fault uh, on top of that on top of that i've actually been uh i've actually got promoted at work and then Woo! i'm also moving so it's like it's just been hectic i, I mean like i feel like anytime i miss an appointment i feel so bad <laughs> and i just like i'm just like and when we finally get to record it, I'm going to make the show that much better just because I missed it. <laughs> well, hopefully the moving goes okay. I, it's kind of Sometimes it's a pain in the butt. Uh, you moving out of Texas or are you staying in? No, I am leaving the state of Texas to go back to the Sunshine State of Florida. What? Yes. Wow. I... <laughs> Don't get eaten by a gator. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, no, it's. Uh, I was actually. Let me see. Born and raised there. Spent about eighteen, nineteen years there. Um, I miss it a whole lot. Um, but I, I'm very excited for the move. I'm not really taking anything big, so I think it'll be just fine. Yeah, I. Uh, I did the big move from Indiana to California, and I pretty much had to dump everything. But when it was California to Oregon, I kept everything I possibly could. I miss California, though. I don't miss Indiana. Um, <laughs> But I, I think I think the thing that I miss most, and this is going to be in relation, the thing I miss most is that uh, the city I'm from, Jacksonville, it's huge. Okay, uh, uh, it's actually one of the largest cities by land size in the world. Um, but one of the things I miss most about it is, no matter what side of town you were on, no matter 
where you were, there was two things that I liked. There was a comic book store somewhere, and then there was also a place where you can get vinyls. Nice. And and I I, I my granddad introduced me to vinyls, so I kind of I have a very modest collection, maybe about ten ten or so vinyls. But uh, the comics is there was never anything that I directly bought. Uh, not until I got older, but uh, the comics were like they're everywhere. Like it's it's a hobby shop. Uh, there's hobby shops next to hobby shops. You know, you, you got uh, the the shop that you can go in and get a comic book, and you go right next door, and you can go pick up some some of the pop vinyls. Uh, you can do the uh, collectibles. You could do the uh, the uh, what is it? The I can't remember what they're called. The uh, Warhammer. You can do the Warhammer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Warhammer figurines. Uh, but I mostly just got the Gundam kits. Like those were my, <laughs> those were my little, that was my addiction, and they're starting to become my addiction again. <laughs> yeah, there's no hobby shop here. Uh, everybody here does just meth or goes to the casino. There's one, there's one comic book shop. It doesn't do no, uh, new comics. It only does old comics. But you get them for a pretty good bargain. I picked up Emerald Dawn for three bucks, like the trade. Uh, and right. it smells, it smells old too. It's that old newsprint before they went with the prestige format paper. Ah, uh, I could get high off this. Who needs drugs when you can just smell comics? <laughs> you just sit there and sip the comics. And then speaking of speaking of the comics, um, I got your I got your package in the mail a couple weeks back, and I picked up a few of them. I read a couple, but I will. The thing that shocked me the most was when the box came. My mom saw it, and she was just like, "What is this?" And she went through the comics, and she read all of them. She what? cataloged it. She was like, "What is this?" Because I, I, I think she got caught up in the. Uh, I think she got caught up with the, the the comic book hero hype right now. So like, she's all into it. I'm just like, now "Look, mom, these aren't Marvel. And they're not DC, all right? They're they're you know, it's it's different stuff. I mean, there's some Dark Horse in here, some Valiant, but you know, they're not DC. They're not Marvel. Uh, but she loved them. She liked the art in them. She she she." I'm trying to track all of them down because there's like some that are, you know, some not all the series are complete, but she wants to get all of them because she. Yeah, I feel I gave you kind of a. Well, I had bought it off my uncle. He has a whole, I mean, just like a warehouse of his, not warehouse, um, what do you call it, storage unit filled with comics that he sells Mm -hmm. for his business. But he's got a bunch that he gets in these lots that he buys that, you know, essentially are worthless. You know, there's nothing collectible about them. And I I was like, I'll give you like 50 cents an issue. Just, I need something to read. And uh, so he, he'll send me, like, a huge case of these. So I gave half of them to you and half of them to my friend Jacob, and I figured, hey, I'm done with them. The one I enjoyed the most is probably Shadow Man, which I, I think I forgot to give you some, which I feel terrible about. <laughs> let me let me see, because the ones that I – like, the ones that got me the most in there, there was the Eternal Warrior that you threw in there, which I really, really liked. It was uh, a little over the top, but eh, not too bad. Uh, the one I'm mostly a little – little little peeved about is there's a teaser issue of something in here called chaos effect and i wanted to continue to read that but it was it was literally like two of them in here um i'm sorry i really wanted to continue that <laughs> like i really wanted to continue that and then outside of that there was also the unity uh collection that's in here i really enjoyed those and there was one more that i'm looking for right now and i cannot remember the name of it Oh, there it is, um, the Future Force. <laughs> future Force. Oh yeah, Ryan, the Future Force. That's a good one. Um, I'll try. I'll try to see Force. if I can track down some more of those. What, what I like to do, especially since um, when I was a kid, all I read was Marvel, basically just Marvel. I read a little bit of DC, like the major ones, like Batman, Superman. 
uh, and then I wouldn't get into independent comics until just recently. So he was sending these huge chunks of like indie comics from the '80s and '90s, and I'm starting to get a taste for like you know Pacific Comics and Dark Horse, which is weird considering I used to live two blocks down from Dark Horse Comics, and <laughs> I, but I only knew like the Star Wars and Buffy and Angel, you know, the licensed stuff. There's a lot of great stuff out there that isn't part of the mainstream. Um, back to what I was saying earlier, though, the, one of the few things that I read back then was Emerald Dawn. I picked it up at a local gas station, and then I would proceed to track down every single issue of this. This is what, the very first time I ever read Green Lantern. And before that, like I said, I only ever read Batman, Superman, and Robin. I was a huge fan of Robin. Uh, but this one really hit me. Um, oh, wait, you know what? I'm wrong. It was Emerald Dawn 2, the one where he goes to prison. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you read that. Uh, after this storyline, he goes to prison and Sinestro breaks him out and teaches him how to be a better hero and stop being such a hothead. That's the one that really <laughs> tracked down. So uh, actually, it wasn't until I found this book is this is the first time I've actually read like I, I would guess like a post crisis reboot of his origin. I, I, so same situation, same situation because growing up it was Marvel, Marvel, Marvel. But then like one of the first ones that I did read. Uh, surprisingly enough, was Green Lantern because the first person, like my, it was my dad that actually brought it up. He was like, "Yeah, Marvel's great, but they don't have Green Lantern." So, <laughs> Green Green Lantern was like one of the first ones that I read, and he was also like when I was growing up, he was probably like the only favorite that I had. But I could never find um, much of the comics for it because it was mostly Batman, Superman. Uh, that, that was it. It was hard to find those. So. When you suggested, hey, let's do Emerald Dawn, I'm just like, this will be one of the first times where I could actually sit down and enjoy a Green Lantern comic. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and a I, lot of people don't know this, is that Green Lantern disappeared for like, I think it was like four years. All we had was Guy Gardner, uh, but Hal Jordan was gone, and they were not making Green Lantern comic books from like 1985 to I think 1990. So he, this is kind of like a reintroduction to, uh, for everybody, like, who is this character? That, and, and that was and that's one of the things to actually go into this one uh, with Emerald Dawn is the fact that hey uh, a Green Lantern presence is not here let's establish another one um, let's get let, let's get us another one and like you said it was also the post crisis as well too uh, because back in 1985 1986 that's when we had the uh, uh, the crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, and, and everybody knows that's like the grand, you know, when the comic book series do does their grand reset of the universe and set new storylines up and introduce new characters. Um, and, and so what was missing was, like you said, that Green Lantern character, which was gone for about four years, and they did not bring him back until 1989 in December with the Emerald Dawn series. It's weird to think, because now he's so pivotal to the universe, but for the longest time, Green Lantern was kind of a, I don't want to say B or C level hero, but he had a very particular audience, and, you know, and then they killed him off. Well, actually, you know, he went crazy with Zero Hour, and then he became, what, Parallax? Am I, it was Parallax, right? Yes, and, but that one, so let me see, with that one, that was a... Uh... When we talk about Emerald Dawn, like you mentioned, there's Emerald Dawn, then there was Emerald Dawn 2, and then there was the 1994 spinoff with Emerald Twilight, which is – like when you said let's read Emerald Dawn, I accidentally read Emerald Twilight first, <laughs> and I'm like, yo, whoa, I don't think this was the one we're supposed to cover, but I'm going <laughs> to keep reading it. And so, um, wow. So after I read that one, I was very, very pulled in because that's – that right there, I had no idea 
that Green Lantern had went so you know he went so dark. Yeah. You know he 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 went out going in killing other Green Lanterns, getting all their rings, trying to trying to become more powerful just so that he could prevent you know his 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 father which he lost in Emerald Dawn, the original. He was trying so hard to prevent that from happening again, and he wanted so badly to please his father just to hear his dad say, hey, look, I'm proud of you, son. Well, he also wanted to bring back Coast City. Uh, Eradicator, I think it was Eradicator, or it was uh, the Cyborg Superman. One of them uh, ended up blowing up Coast City and uh, killing everybody, and that made him snap. And and that's when he decided he needed to collect all the power. He needed to... uh, Doggone it. Metron? I can't remember his name. Uh, uh, the guy who goes back in time. Ah, dang it. Uh, it's We're Hawk. You know, Hawk and Dove, uh, he ends up getting these powers to change time. The Parallax teams up them, and basically uh, they have to kill him in order to stop it because he's going to wipe out everything. He wants to rebuild the entire universe, kind of like Crisis, and Green Arrow has to put an arrow through him and stop him. And that's when Kyle Rayner comes in and takes over as Green Lantern. And that's that's the Green Lantern from my generation. I did read Emerald Dawn too, but I didn't really get into it till Kyle came in. And and it, 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 it oh sorry 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 okay. but uh, Kyle that was that was the other thing. Uh, Kyle at the time um, was like what we if if Green Lantern was like Batman, then Kyle would be like the Robin. It's just like you have Batman fans, but you also had a lot of Kyle fans out there, and everybody wanted to know, hey, what's up with this guy? And so with that Emerald Twilight uh, switchover, and now Kyle being the the main Green Lantern at that point afterwards, I think that was I, I really like that switch up right there. And like you said, with Green uh, how going to be in Parallax as well too. Oh man, it's just. <laughs> did you know that he was the, the Spectre? They brought um, I, Hal back as the Spectre for a while. They did do that. Uh, I I slightly remember hearing like like going over some of my notes like hearing about that like him coming back briefly and then him coming you know going right back to where he was as well too because uh that the the emerald twilight like i said i'm still kind of i'm still kind of on like this high right now because it's just like i did not know green lantern could get that dark (laughs) oh i feel like i gave way too much (laughs) Um, no 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 you're you're good how did you feel about the movie i'm curious see now here was the thing i only saw bits and pieces of the movie um from what i've seen from like the bits and pieces of the movie i don't really understand the hate but then again if i like if i were like to measure it down of how much i've seen i've maybe only seen maybe five to ten minutes of the movie i've seen the suit the suit looked okay it was a little over the top however i don't know why they didn't just do like you know the regular effects that they do like with spider-man or anybody else but um I, I really didn't have an interest in the movie to begin with, but uh, I heard it was pretty bad. Well, um, in, in my opinion, it's there's two problems with it. Uh, the the critical uh, bashing of the fact that you know the stuff that Green Lantern makes with his ring uh, were not very imaginative, but that means they don't understand the character of Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan wasn't imaginative; uh, he was just more like unbelievably brave, no fear whatsoever. And he couldn't come up with these great, you know, gadgets or whatever. That was Kyle. Kyle's the one who was the artist. He's the one who come up with crazy designs. And I think somewhere along the way they got confused. But I think Ryan Reynolds kind of got Hal right. I think he joked him up a little too much. 
um, try to make him like an Iron Man of the DC universe, which he's not. Um, but it's not a terrible movie. The villain is the weakest part. I don't. I didn't care. I, they should have. They should have brought in somebody else. Who was the Who's the actual villain in the movie at the end of it? Uh, so, doggone it. Uh, the guy who's the villain in Magnificent Seven. I can't remember his name. Um, he ends up being basically Parallax, like this alien parasite that uh, control uh... fear. You know, his weakness is yellow. And this is something that they would explore later when Jeff Jones would take over the series and kind of relaunch it is that yellow was the weakness because that gave that that was like the symbolic version of fear. And that's what made the the, the rings weak. But once they got that out of Hal Jordan's mind, that that was a weakness, then it no longer affected him. Yellow is kind of an old school thing. Which which is heavy in this in this miniseries. I, I know we're kind of delaying, but I kind of want to talk about that first before we get into the series. Oh, no problem, no problem. Uh, but no, I, I had no I, like. See, that was the other thing because I'm sitting here and I'm reading Emerald Dawn. And I'm thinking, uh, how much of the movie like did they borrow from Emerald Dawn at all? Like, is there any anything out there that that they throw a bone to with Emerald Dawn? Uh, I think a little bit. There's uh with the recruiting and him finding the ring. That's there. Uh, still. I think it perplexes a lot of people that Jon Stewart wasn't the Green Lantern because what we had seen in the cartoon and for a whole generation, everybody thought of Green Lantern as Jon Stewart, not Hal Jordan. Hmm. Okay. And then, like, I think – and that's the other thing. Like, if it's not Hal, it has to be John. And then, like I said, there is that cult following for Kyle. But I think more people do, you know, connect better with that John Stewart Green Lantern as well, too, because you have, like, that, you know, that, that toughness. But it's it's kind of a mix between Kyle and – and how, and he has his own little flair as well too. So, ah, I, I didn't even think that they. I think they should have done a steward in there as well. Yeah, I've heard <laughs> that they're trying to do a buddy cop version of Green Lantern. So I don't know if it's going to be Hal with John, um, like Lethal Weapon in space, or I don't, I don't know what. <laughs> lethal Weapon in space. That'd be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into the meat of Emerald Dawn. Uh, I think I think a big part of it is finally seeing, you know, like what is it about him that had the fear? You know, the death of his father and why he's kind of reckless, and you know he's got kind of an attitude problem. He, he's kind of like the way Captain Kirk was in that reboot of Star Trek. I, I do see that as well too. It's just he's literally that character. Um, uh, like you said, we he he lost his father at a young age. Um. And at that, and also he was always seeking his father's, um, you know, his father's approval. So he even took it that extra step further of saying, "I'm going to be the same way my dad was. I'm going to become a professional pilot like he was." Uh, but he wasn't anywhere near as successful, you know. But was he good at it? Yeah, he he had a natural act for it as well too. But he also had that reckless streak as well too, just like the Captain Kirk, um, <laughs> the Captain Kirk comparison is real well. Yeah, I, th- I like heroes that kind of have issues. I've never found any interest in, like, uh, the noble heroes, like Wonder Woman, Aquaman, uh, Superman. They don't seem to have anything that normal people can identify with, and it's hard for me to craft that mythology. <laughs> and I think that's also one of the things. Uh, during – at this time as well, too, we started seeing um, more interesting storylines when – hey, yeah, you are a superhero, but you still have those underlying issues. It's not like a, like the, the character's whole persona isn't, um, isn't just based on 
them being legendary and awesome. Their their whole persona is now based on, hey, I'm a human and I have these human like tendencies. I'm a hothead. I seek the attention from my father, and I'm also a Green Lantern. You know, it, it's it. I, I think that's like the '90s ones when we started seeing those more fleshed out characters uh, that we can actually you know project ourselves onto. Yeah, um, it, it, the costume is one thing, but you have to have you know the person under the costume has to matter. Or it's just a pre- you know I mean that or Geoforce would be the biggest hero in the world because that's a cool costume but man that, that guy that, <laughs> that guy nothing that guy got nothing to work if, with if, if if it was just based off of costumes I mean uh, I'm gonna have to give it to um, I'm gonna have to give it to Iron Man but uh, if if we're not looking at costumes because like you said um, just opening up in Rodan we see a flawed character um, he he's he's drunk on the job he he's been fired he's been you know uh, demoted he's been going through the whole cycle of not being good enough and i think that's something that you know we all have to deal with you know like like it, it, i'm pretty sure there's been a time in everybody's life where it's just like i want the approval of somebody i want to be the best i can at something but i i do have something holding me back yeah, I've been there. I look back on the way I was when I was 20 with serious attitude problem and laziness and stuff like that, and I'm just like, damn, I would have fired myself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just like right now in my shoes, I'm just like, like I said, I, I just got promoted, and it was just like now I, like, I was never the bad worker, but like I understand now why I got chewed out a couple times when I'm like one minute late, two minute late. Five minutes, you know. Like now that I get to see the whole picture, I'm just like, don't you be late on my shift. Yeah, <laughs> I, I always had a smart ass remark. Always had a smart ass <laughs> remark, and not realizing that. Oh yeah, that's probably why they didn't keep me on. Hmm. But from 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 there, uh, what we have is we have how um, he he goes off. He does his father's profession. Uh, he's gotten in numerous incidents as well too on the job. Um, now what happened was he had recently got in trouble. He decided to try to atone for this um, and go and, let me see, he gets into the simulator and the simulator nearly crashes, but before it crashes, that's when somebody like intervenes for him and says, hey, you know what? I think you might be perfect to be the next Green Lantern. What's up? <laughs> yeah, Avin Sir is extremely important to this mythology, but I, I really don't know his backstory, and it seems like that's something the writers should dig into. What was his, you know, like, do a miniseries about Avin Sir, like one of the early Green Lanterns. Actually, how old are these Green Lanterns? That's the one thing I, I can't remember. I know the Manhunters came before them, but how long have the Green Lanterns been around? The Green Lantern, like, um, I think they want to chalk that one up to, like, the same way, like, you know, the Beyonder, like, in Marvel has been there since ever. Um, I'm not going to say since the creation of the universe, but let's say pretty close to that. Um, how long? I have no idea how long they've been around. So, um, theoretically, they could have a Green Lantern visit, like, in medieval times or the Old West. <laughs> and and that's the thing, like with these Green Lantern stories, these guys, are not just the Green Lanterns, but we're talking about the entire Lantern Corps. But like these guys are everywhere in different universes, galaxies. They cross over. They're wherever they want to be when they need to be. Um, they're they're pretty much. Oh man, I can't believe I'm saying they're pretty much Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> theoretically, yeah, they're like Nova Corps. You know the, the Nova Corps are kind of set up in the same way as the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah, and then uh, and then I think other people like the other thing is I think 
people see the Green Lantern and they know about the Yellow Lanterns and they know about the Red Lanterns, but did you know there's like five others? And you got blues, you got purple, you got white, and you got black, and it's just like they all have their they're all needed in a way because they all have that balance that it, that needs to exist in the universe as well too. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's funny. Just looking at the beginning of this, like they really established that yellow is going to be a major weakness, and they got this guy called Legion. And now is Legion? Well, I should have read this earlier. I read this like six months ago, and I haven't read it since. I should have read it right before we went. I thought I remember everything, but uh, <laughs> Legion was part of a group, correct? Or is Legion all inside of him? I think wait. So with Legion, Legion was um. Let me see what we had with Legion because I know he randomly came out of nowhere and he was also yellow. But did Legion actually have? Um, he actually did have some backstory with where is that at? I had that written down. No. Okay, we'll pause I, for a commercial break. Da 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 da. da. Okay, we're back. <laughs> what I had written down was that um. During the course of it, like if we're gonna like that's that's gonna be a huge skip ahead though. Uh, once Green Lantern, you know, he actually meets up with all the other Lanterns. They're like, hey, this is Legion. Legion's been around for a little while. He's also a little PO'd, and he's also looking to kill you guys. In <laughs> um, just like the general sense of it. Uh, there we go. There, there we go. But they so do keep, they keep it a mystery for a long time. When we got him ripping him up in the jail, you know, trying to kill him. And in fact, it took me forever just to find his name. I was like, who the hell is this? You know, and it, then it, I think issue four is when they finally reveal. So uh, so we go with, with Obviously saying, hey, look, this is uh, – let's tell you exactly what happens. What he is going to do is he's going to go out. He's looking for all the Green Lanterns right now, and he is trying to get as – like pretty much – He's doing the Emerald Twilight before Emerald Twilight was a thing. Hey, I just I need more power. <laughs> um, where did he come from exactly? Let me. Where was it? I had this written down, but it's in all my <laughs> notes scattered. Um, this is only his backstory. <laughs> this is like not his backstory, but this is everything leading up to it. I had I, I don't think I have any notes of where where he came from. It's okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, well, they do show a little bit before. Like, they're giving – the ring is showing how what had happened just prior. Uh, yeah, in general, I don't think they they go into too much. Well, this is the part where the fans are like, fuck you guys, we're out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But I do know uh, – I want to I make sure I'm, I'm pronouncing this right. Um, it's going to be <laughs> – it's going to be Tick Tick, I believe. What? Uh, the the um, when they were giving the backstory for um, where the where the Green Lanterns came from, what they can do, um, they came uh, the 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 uh, the species that was going out uh, fighting other like they started fighting amongst themselves and they didn't realize guys we don't have to do this we can just go conquer other planets. Um, it's T C H K T C H K. I'm not so, sure how to pronounce. So that. a word that's impossible to pronounce. That's what that's what they were good at. Um, I, I noticed that a lot <laughs> of the names in Green Lantern. I'm like, oh, I've I've said that wrong this whole time. I think it's funny though is that it seems like every five years they kill off every single Green Lantern except for a handful, and every single time Tomar and Kilowog survive. How the hell did the? I get, I kind of get why Kilowog survived, but Tomar, he's a little guy. I, now Tomar. here's my thing. Now here's the other thing. With all the Green Lanterns, like you're saying, like you have this variety of heroes, and how do some of them do survive? You know, like I, I can see how Hal can make it through, but I don't see how all of them can. 
Um, they're not all as um, one of them is on here as comic relief, and I cannot recall the name of it. Um, it's pretty much like the Squirrel Girl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I cannot remember his name, however. Can you believe that they're adding Squirrel Girl into the new Warriors TV show that they're going to put on Fox <laughs> or Fox it, Family or whatever it is, ABC Family? She she is she is one of the most powerful Marvel uh, superheroes as well too. It's <laughs> funny. Well, I don't remember her being part of the new Warriors. I remember her being part of the Great Lake Avengers. I'll tell everybody that I'm kind of behind on comics. I'll grab some newer stuff here and there, but I mostly just read like '85 to 2005. Usually, like my peak area. <laughs> And I try to keep up with all the newer stuff. But getting back on, getting back on. So uh, Abin Sir was like, hey, look, this is our entire history. Uh, and also, I want to take note that, hey, everybody, uh, Green Lantern, you know, his one of his most, um, one of his, his, his revered villains, Sinestro, is a Green Lantern at this time as well, too. Um, they're, they're sitting here and they're like, hey, this is our backstory. Uh, let's talk about the... I want to say to, to, to whatever he gave them the backstory. He said, hey, this is what the Green Lanterns did to prevent that from happening. Um, we went further to say, hey, this is Legion. Legion is actually looking out for you guys. He, he is targeting you specifically. Uh, at that time, uh, Green Lantern, like his, like he had gotten in a brush with him earlier. His ring was drained, but he did not understand why. He was still, you know, getting in the suit, still trying to figure out what his ring does, still trying to figure out what the heck's going on, why me, why was I chosen? Um, and then with this, now he finally gets to, you know, actually get his lantern and figure out what in what all goes into the job. And I don't think at first he was really he was really too happy with the job description. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's not like you can turn it down. Like, yeah, you know what? I got uh, stuff to do. I there's somebody else, right? You can choose. No, shit. <laughs> Come on, pl please, please. I, I gotta work on. I I can't work on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what happens is uh, Green Lanterns. So once and, and while this is going on, Green Lantern actual Hal. Let's call him Hal. <laughs> uh, Hal goes back and he tries to figure out how he could be um and he actually goes back in he uses his ring to go see what a previous green lantern has actually done and while he's actually doing that while he's actually in the throes of trying to learn how to beat this how to beat legion um guess what legion comes out of nowhere he's ready to fight <laughs> uh and from there you actually you get your all-out fight which like i said earlier in early episodes hey man it's just like playing with toys you got to get all your toys together you're going to sit there, you're going to fight them out, you're going to duke them out. Some of them are going to die, but you're going to have your favorites. Hal Jordan's there. He's definitely ready to, you know, he's learned a little bit something. He might be able to do, learn a little bit more. Um, he finally actually goes in. He he decides to, they, they get in a fight. He decides to leave Legion alive, but he tries to remove the armor, which turns out that his, 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 uh, his internals, <laughs> his internals are actually starting to engulf the entire planet that they're on. Oh, the, the way you, the way you phrase that is so gross. His internals. <laughs> I mean, I, I couldn't, I couldn't really phrase that anyway. I was just like, what else? His insides, his entrails. His, you know? uh, yeah, you know what? Entrails makes it worse. Never mind. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
they realized that they would not be able to stop them. Um, but then he realized, hey, there is the central battery. There's the central battery, okay? So he goes into it. And from there, he realizes, boom, this is how powerful I am. This is what I can do. This is what I can be. And from there, <laughs> from there, what they're able to do is they're able to actually go out. He's actually able to merge with the central battery. Um, and from there, he ends up actually being able to conquer Legion. And like we said, Legion's been around for thousands of years, uh, since, since uh, almost since the, I wouldn't say since the Green Lantern's inception, but he's been around for a long time. Uh, but some, some guy out of nowhere is able to take him down. <laughs> I, I do like that. I do like that kind of ending right there. Like when you have your your stereotypical hothead, hotshot guy that's able to go in and make that difference, even though he's not as new or as seasoned, and he totally did it. Kind of, sort of by the book, but not really. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think like attacking it from a different angle, and him going into the battery is kind of what Ion was, what Kyle would become later. I think he became like the personification of that battery. Um, it's weird though. It's whenever they bring in a new hero and people love them, then they bring back the old hero and they had kind of have to like to boot the other guy to the side. You're like, what the hell? Like they did with Connor Hawk when he took over on Green Lant uh, Green Arrow. They did it to Kyle. They did it to Wally uh, with the Flash. It's just, it kind of shits on the new fans. It, it really does. Like, and, and that's one of the things. Just like um, with these newer heroes and the older heroes, it's like. Um, uh, Going back, like let, let's use Batman as an example. We all know Dick Grayson, and we all like him. And then he goes off to become, you know, and he just leaves. And Batman, you know, he's not going to say it, but he's kind of hurt by that. So in turn, he's going to get another apprentice. We go to like him, but then you're kind of putting aside the original Robin thing. But yeah. I think with something like that, we got something better because Nightwing is pretty fucking awesome. It is. That first costume sucked, though. The disco duck with the gold on it. Like, how does he even see? How do? Why do so many superheroes have the high collar? How do you see when you're fighting? And then they were smart enough to, like, trim it down and, like, oh, well, that makes much more sense. <laughs> that, that, that's a little better. Not much, but a little better. Uh, <laughs> I, that, that is another thing. It's just like, uh, Going back to the superhero's costume, um, you, you mentioned the suit in the movie. Uh, I mentioned the suit in the movie. Uh, it's not a bad suit. Uh, I actually, like, like going to his, it, his makes sense. <laughs> well, yeah, and the, like, it, the ring makes the costume, so therefore, wouldn't it be like cosmic energy instead of an actual physical costume? It makes sense to me. It makes perfect sense. Like, I have no hate against the suit at all. I mean, it's it's, it's protective. He can fly in space with it. He can be underwater with it. He's been in extreme conditions with this suit on. Um, his suit is practical, unlike walking around with your underwear outside. Yeah. And your legs and your legs or, exposed, and you have and you have a cape. What <laughs> the hell is Flash wearing in the Justice League movie? What is that All shit? Right. That the the TV version's fine. What am I looking at? <laughs> So I saw the trailer. So I sat there and I watched the trailer for Justice League, and I'm, and, you know, I'm, I'm excited but hesitant. <laughs> uh, I don't know what he's wearing. I thought Cyborg was the only like. It's pretty much like they have two cyborgs. One of them can run fast. Like, what's up with the metal suit? Why does he have the armor on? Like, he's supposed to be, you know, aerodynamic. The suit's supposed to, you know, accentuate that. Like the, like you said, the suit in the in the in the show looks fine but this 
I don't know what they're going for with them. <laughs> I don't know. I actually hated Suicide Squad, and I, I did not care for Batman versus Superman. So far, DC's fucking it up on, on cinema. In TV, they're doing fine. They uh, All right, so I will say this. You know what it reminds me of? Now that I'm looking at it again, it reminds me of The Red Ranger. That's exactly what it looks oh, like. Oh, wow. That's not a good thing. It is It is cut like the original, like, with, like the older Red Ranger suits. Like, it's not – it doesn't really fit him. Yeah. Uh, and also, they're doing that weird thing, which I really can't stand on the superhero costumes, where, like, they're wearing the helmet, but the eyes are cut out. What is – up with that. <laughs> yeah, you would think that he would have some sort of eye covers. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think Zack Snyder. I think what they need to do is get rid of Zack Snyder and reboot the whole thing. Not reboot like cinematically, but I mean, who's behind the scenes? Change the the creative voice behind the films. It's it's bothering me, but uh, greatly. Uh, I don't know. Um, as far as this goes, uh, are there any plans to bring Green Lantern into the Justice League because he was a pivotal. He was a very pivotal member of the Justice League, and that's one of the things that I was actually going to be on the lookout for is just the fact that I do see the Justice League here, and they have the original people, but they are missing, still missing a pivotal person. Yeah, and they're also (laughs) missing uh, Martian Manhunter, who was also an extremely important part. I I don't know if they will. The movie, you know, uh, put a bad taste in people's mouths. I think right now DC wants to shy away from it. What they might want to do is introduce the mythos with – um, doing Justice Society of America, and maybe throw in Sentinel and and the old school uh, Jay Garrick Flash. You know, p- kind of bring those old characters, whatever. Warm people up to the idea of Green Lantern in a movie or a TV show. You're you're definitely gonna have to after the Ryan Reynolds incident. Uh, <laughs> the I, incident. I mean, like I, said, <laughs> I haven't like like I said, I haven't seen it. But anytime you bring up Green Lantern, they're just like, oh my god, the Ryan Reynolds one. And even Ryan Reynolds doesn't like talking about it. You know. <laughs> So you're going to have to – the way that they're going to have to do that is this. You're Like, their TV shows are great right now. Drop a hint in the TV show. Like, have a ha, – you know, like, uh, do it like Marvel does with their movies. Like, leave a leave a ring just, like, you yeah. know, in the back. Well, it doesn't have somewhere. to be Hal Jordan. It could be any Green Lantern. It could be Kilowog. Any. Anybody just come – by the way, uh, a drinking game, um, if you read that Kilowog says the word poozer, take a drink. It'll be done in ten pages. It'll be just fucked up. <laughs> He says poozer so often. Poozer. What is poozer? Is it pussy loser? I don't know what that means. I, I no, no fucking clue. No fucking clue. <laughs> uh, my, my thing is like my, my thing is this with with us bringing since I know that's what it's all coming to right now. Everybody wants to push their movies to the the to the point right now where you can see all your favorite people on the screen at the same time. Uh, we got Marvel doing Infinity War, and they're pushing it to the point where all your favorite heroes are going to be on, t- on scene, you know, on TV screen at the same time. You got um, DC doing it as well too, or at least trying to, because you can't really have Justice League without Martian Manhunter, and you can't have it without Green Lantern. Definitely not without Green Lantern. <laughs> uh, you know, I gotta say real quick before we wrap this up. Uh, M.D. Bright is the artist on this, and he is one of my favorite artists that disappeared. Uh, he now does religious comics, and that's about it. But he was uh, one of the first artists I ever read doing G.I. Joe. And then he went over to this, and he did um, a very good series for uh, Valiant called Quantum and Woody. And he's a talent that's missed. He, he's ex- his expressions, they're, they're kind of cartoony. They're kind of the way that Kevin McGuire draws 
which makes sense since Keith Giffen is the writer on this, and he was also one of the writers on the Justice League reboot back in 86 or 87. Uh, I really enjoy the artwork, and, and the writing's great. The, the, it speak, and that was one of the things. I totally almost forgot to even go on the writing. Uh, like one of my favorite writers on, as well on here, um, you have Christopher Priest. <laughs> uh, Mr. Uh, Christopher Priest on here, he did the first issue. Um, he also is going to be credited. Uh, he's one of the reasons I do like him is because he is all over the place. You have him writing for Marvel. You have him writing for Spider-Man, and I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. Uh, you have Spider-Man vs. Wolverine in 1987. You had uh, – he even had some Conan. He threw some Conan wow. in there. Wow. Did he do Black uh, Panther, the reboot of Black Panther, Christopher Priest? Christopher Priest, yes, sir. He did Black Panther uh, Volume 3, I believe. Um, but he – and guess what? He also uh, co-created Quantum and Woody nah. as well, too. <laughs> Uh, um, that, that's when well, you threw that out. I'm just like, I have to say, yeah, it. but he's he's not on Emerald Dawn. <laughs> Emerald Dawn's written by Keith Giffen and Gerald Jones. Are you thinking about Emerald Twilight? Or I'm pretty sure it was no, it with Emerald Dawn. Hang on, let me see. Emerald Dawn, and if I do it, let me see. If I go down here, I'm gonna pull up, yeah, with it. It's oh, the thing, the reason why you're not gonna see Christopher Priest is because it's gonna be under Jim Osley. What, sorry, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> wait, I, wait, why did he have a fake name? <laughs> why did he use a pen name? I'm, I totally forgot about that. Uh, that. That's the tip of the iceberg right there. Um, that that was, you know how writers have their different names right there? Yeah. That was his. So Christopher Breeze is also your Jim um, Osley. As oh, well my God. Because so. I'm looking at this going, who the hell's Jim Osley? And now you've answered, you've answered a mystery for me. Holy schmoly. I want to know what else you – wow, okay. All right, that's that's gonna sit in my brain for a while because I feel like there's a whole other catalog of comics I could explore. Yeah, is, is Priest still around? Because I don't I don't see his name too often anymore. Uh, let me check that out. Let's see if we uh, check out Christopher Priest right now. What is he up to? Uh, the funny thing is that the DC like if you go to like the DC website, it's not telling me much, uh, and that kind of sucks. Let me see the last thing that he's actually worked on was actually a Deathstroke comic back in 2016. So yes, he's okay, still okay, in okay. there. Uh, but and and also Deadpool. He also did a lot of work for Deadpool. So I think that's I think that's actually going to be worth looking into now for me. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's nice when an artist or a writer can still stick around. Uh, I I know that people have like waning taste, like certain things will be hot for a while then people just get cold to a writer or an artist uh, or their style and uh you always wonder what happened when some of these people dry up. Are they going off into marketing? Did they retire? Um, but it, it's nice to see like someone come back, at least do you know a little bit here and there. Uh, he's he's uh, that I think that's one of the things too. Um, when uh, a lot of people complain about the direction that comics are going into, um, and 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 certain things like that, but when you see that the talent that wrote the original when you see the talent that wrote the original stories and writing the newer stories and, and they're getting other people to, you know, from all over to write these stories, it, it, it's amazing, honestly. Like, I actually do enjoy that part. The the fact that um, you're still having the old people who wrote the original stuff still write the newer stuff and it still be awesome. It still be fresh. It still be interesting. 
So I'm looking at MD Bright right now. He did come back for a brief uh, Quantum and Woody miniseries, but for the most part, he does a Christian comic strip called Level Path. But you can find his page and get commissions and, and buy paintings from, holy crap, some of these paintings are amazing. I guess he did, like, fine art stuff. Not just comic book stuff, but it looks like he did fine art stuff for, like, book covers and, uh, like, old, like, heavy metal magazines. This is, this is nice right. stuff here. Um, we're kind of going long here. So, um, anything else you want to say about the series before we go? Uh, I would definitely say don't just, like, if you read Emerald Dawn, don't stop there. Read Emerald Dawn, Emerald Dawn 2, and then wrap it up with um, Emerald Twilight. Definitely finish it off with Emerald Twilight. Uh, they're very, like, it's a six-part series with uh, Emerald Dawn. I believe the other one's a five- or six-part, and Emerald Twilight, they're, they're very condensed. Like, you can get through it. Uh, you know, within a couple of days or so, I definitely did, and I had no regrets on it at all. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a good run. I feel like it really kicked off once Kyle took off. But Jeff Jones did a fantastic job rebooting it about ten years ago, and the whole Red Lantern, you know, uh, Blackest Night, that miniseries was amazing. And I think it's probably the last truly great thing that DC did, like big events. Uh, things are kind of messed up over the universe right now i'm having trouble reading any of the new dc stuff the only thing i can get through is maybe like batman year zero i think it's no batman uh oh damn it it's kind of a it's kind of a reboot of his universe but kind of taking a twist on it um batman world one what do you what do you call them uh earth earth one sorry batman earth, earth one, one. Yep. it's a great series and uh the new green arrow is really good as well they finally get the character right since it's been a long time um, that's about it, I would say, on DC right now. That's really got my interest. Uh, and, and as of right now, the I, I've been trying to go back on DC. And uh, since I started reading Emerald Dawn, I've been reading the anything from like the 90s for right now. Uh, the only thing that I'm actually stuck on right now is the <laughs> – speaking of Batman, the – let me see which one that one actually was. Uh the one that I just got caught up reading not too long ago, and this is actually a little ways outside of my the year that I was caught up in. It was actually something that I just stumbled upon. Was Batman Year 100? Um, that one was definitely a weirder one. Um, <laughs> was that an Elseworlds? But I don't remember that one. That one was, uh, let me see. The one that's what, that we're dealing with on this one is, it was like a little mini-series. Huh. Um, and it was in the year two, 2939 or uh, 2039, and it's Batman is definitely playing the vigilante here, uh, more vigilante than anything else. Um, he, it's actually creepy looking. <laughs> huh. I Weird. don't want to say he actually a hundred years old. <laughs> <laughs> He's not actually a hundred years old, but I won't spoil it too much. But all I can say is this is pretty dark. This is probably as dark as oh. At, it's pretty close to as dark as Batman can get. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. That is it for us here at Comics on Infinite Earths. Check us out on Facebook. Uh, we share with the other podcasts that I do back in tunes, so you can check out both podcasts there. And uh, Avery, thank you for doing this episode with me. Oh, no problem, man. You know, hey, anytime. Have a good night. You guys. <laughs> what was that? You guys. <laughs> I was, oh man, I see you guys. I didn't know what that was. It's like you had an idea. I was trying to go off the. Oh, I'd crash. Bye. <laughs> see ya. <laughs>